the following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. This is Cassie. And this is Jesse, And you are listening to Perched on the Top Rope. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. It's me, it's me. It's former dirt sheet writer and host of Perched on the Top Rope, Lee Walker. I am joined by some of our favorite, and by I mean some of our favorite, I mean they literally are our favorite guests. No offense, Ultimo Dragon, Kevin Nash, Booker T. Sorry, not sorry. Guys, I want to start with Will from Botched Spots and Chair Shots. How you doing, brother? I am, first and foremost, I want to say thank you, guys. I am hyped to be here. It's always a good time when the three shows to come together. And uh, I have zero doubt in my mind that this conversation started with half the group not having any shirts on, that by yep. the end of the conversation, we will all have our clothes off. That's going to be a negative, sir. Uh, five of us will have our clothes off. Okay, there you go. All right, and that's not what you said before we started recording. That is also <laughs> negative. It's canon now. Remember, that's part of the conversation. It's in the story. Listen, you this get is naked. why black people, black guys do not hang out with white guys, because you guys make shit weird. Hey, in my defense, in the group yes. chat, I asked what the dress code was. Lee said naked. I showed up naked. I don't understand why we all literally, have our clothes back on. Literally showed up naked. That is not, that, that's a true story. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, let's make it a little more weird because they're from Smacked Raw, <laughs> Kyle and Aaron. How you guys doing? What's up, man? What's I'm really up? upset. I thought me being naked was being recorded, and uh, it uh, kind of upsets me that that, that yeah, that's that the was fucking tragedy. You guys. That well, is... listen, we'll make it like European news, and we'll strip as we go. Is this, hey, wait, wait, okay, so is is this podcast going to like have a video version out? Yeah, if we strip throughout, why not? Let's see what YouTube does to us. We can put it on our OnlyFans. <laughs> well, it. ladies and gentlemen, it's nice knowing you. We are going to get kicked off of YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we are, wait, are... wait. Can can you get your video demonetized or taken down for man tits? I don't think so. No, man that's are, body shaming. Man tits are fine, right? Yeah, Look, I'm just saying. Up. Models I mean, backslash perched on the top rope. I'm just I mean, saying. I mean, WWE has videos of Otis on yeah. YouTube every week. Yeah, yeah. there we go. We're good man. We also have the perched correspondent, Justin Largito, as he will be joining Twitch.tv or yeah, Twitch.tv slash perched on the top ropes. Alex Todd and myself, as we will be March fourth in Syracuse, New York. For WWE Live Road to WrestleMania. Guys, how you doing? I'm feeling good, Lee. I'm uh, I'm glad to be a part of this show tonight with all you guys. Uh, Smacked Rod, Botch Botch Chair Shots, miss you guys a lot. Uh, so I'm excited for this show tonight. And let's just talk some shit. Let's talk about wrestling. Let's talk about it all, man. Oh, yeah, I agree with you, Justin. It's great to have the Triforce of Wrestling podcast back together again. My boys, RN, Kyle, and Will, it's great to have you guys. Let's talk some shit. Let's do it. Well, Let's uh, fuck I'm... some shit. Hey, can I ask really quick, how the <laughs> fuck do you guys afford going to so many wrestling shows? Specifically you, Justin. That's mostly me. Yeah, no, how that's Justin. Hell... 
are you showing up like green shirt guy at like every other wrestling show? Because <laughs> he's got I, a he's got a sugar daddy, Kyle. That's why. I, I don't have a sugar daddy, and I promise I don't sell drugs because I know somebody's going to say that next. <laughs> feed picks, ain't it? <laughs> that was Fucking literally about to come out it's, of my mouth. It's well, listen, picks. listen, Kyle. My last name is isn't Largito for a reason. Right? <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a reason that for the longest time Lee was pronouncing his last name Largito. Yeah, yeah. Man. there it is. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and, and talking shit, we will. Speaking of talking shit literally will and i are going to start this off how about that media call today well with Tony so, this Khan. Is, so this is the way i described it in the, in the group chat i used a different analogy i think it's like i'm grateful that i got invited to like got invited and i'm able to do it but it's like getting into the club but not getting into the vip lounge getting invited to the game, but not getting picked to play pickup ball. Like, you know, invited to the dance, but never picked up to, to go. It's whatever analogy you want to use, because we get to go, and then we listen to the same 10 guys ask their questions every single time. Oh, huh? it, it it's absolutely ridiculous. Since they've been doing the media calls, I've been on every single one. I've never been picked. You hear the same people, and then based on the location, you'll hear, like, today, 104.7, Austin, Texas. <laughs> or, like, the poor guy, they accidentally unmuted this, the wrong guy. So if they thought the person they were supposed to be talking to was muted, and they couldn't get him, and then finally the guy was like, uh, this is Justin so-and-so, not Justin uh-huh. so-and-so, but, and they were like, Please proceed. Like they obviously <laughs> fucked up and let the wrong person ask a question. <laughs> yeah, but I mean it's the same people every time and it's just like it, it's great to to get picked, you know, but like at that point I'm just like I feel like a fucking cheerleader on the side just sitting so, here like So the problem is is you guys are able to be on the media call and listen in but you're not being able to ask your questions. Is that all it is? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I mean, being spoiled. It's like being spoiled. We're we're mad that we get to go, but we're mad we can't ask our questions. You know, like just just suck a little dick, okay? Like right. like find out whose whose balls you gotta fondle. And I'm sure Justin better start you... sending some feet pics out. What the fuck? There you go. You got <laughs> Justin in your back pocket. Like you already have a weapon to get you an in. See, it's like we're good enough to make varsity. But we're riding the bench. <laughs> that is a, that's a that's oh the analogy. God. That's the one. Like that's we're exactly riding a ring like, at the end. If you guys they, win the they, Super Bowl, you still get a ring. Yeah, <laughs> they bring us in with fucking fightful and Sean Ross Sapp and Nick Hosman of Wrestling Inc. And, and you know this guy and that guy and, and you know we're right there. But they're like <laughs> it's like a totem pole and like you know they're just looking down at us and like yeah, eventually you'll ask a question. Three fucking years later. Excuse me, sir. Waiting. Can I have some more? More? <laughs> I wonder if it's because they still look at uh, like they're maybe they're trying to differentiate who they consider. I don't mean this any offense, but like, um, like uh, uh, usually when you say I don't mean any offense, you mean offense. Not. I mean I don't mean any offense, but I'm going to say something fucking offensive. 
is who they consider like fan podcasts and then who they they consider like real journalists i get that but at that point what's the sense in even letting them be a part of it right um, yeah I mean, they've sent point. us interviews That's i've had something to say me and like like lee and i have both interviewed AEW talent so if they didn't see us as being real journalists then i don't feel like we would be there but the fact that they they'll let us interview their talent outside of the media calls but they won't let us ask tk questions when we get there yeah i mean maybe that's, just that's, that's, that's what you're saying here. right lee like, maybe man maybe, i mean that's very well that could be no good. i respect I mean, they, paying your dues absolutely i've, I've you know i i respect that how Alex, easy is it to mail cocaine because if you think if you can send like like you know like tony khan a little gift basket i'll just drive down there you go Right. If we're taking road trips that involve cocaine, I'm totally in. You got to literally drive through Tennessee to get down there. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> right. I mean, Alex, you, you got to go through Ohio and Tennessee, truly. So, yeah, I mean, stop by with me. We can yeah. definitely go skiing. When Thunder Rosa took on Britt Baker in the first women's uh, main event for AEW Dynamite, mm-hmm. I had they, I had Thunder Rosa. I was, I was part of the media scrum. So, like, all of a sudden, like. I was going to say, and they told you that you could post for both SK and Perch at the time. Like, for that why? Too. Yeah, like I'm on the back burner. Like, mm-hmm. weird, man. I'm like in the nose. I thought, I thought, dude, I'm not going to lie. I thought if you got all those media calls, like, most people would be asking questions. I mean, if, if you get on the media calls for, like, another company like Impact, Lee's been able to ask questions before, but it's like trying to pull teeth with Tony. Yeah, and like, yeah. Will knows. Because we we both just had uh, Jai Vidal together, you know. He had he had Jai, I had Jai. Like, you know, we're we're always on their media their media calls. They let everybody ask a question. Like when mm-hmm. they do their Impact press pass, everyone gets a question. AEW is like, well, there's so many of the all. Well, <laughs> you know, if, if he wasn't fucking taking twenty minutes to answer each question, more than fucking four people, the same four people would be able to ask a question. I'm but really grateful. Rattles on. I'm really grateful to be here, and I'm thankful for you guys. And remember to watch Dynamite on 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights and AEW Revolution on Sunday. Like, and he would say it at the end of every question. On these media calls, Tony Khan needs to take the uh, Ariel Helwani approach. I I can't answer that question. I don't want to answer that one. I I can't. (laughs) He did no comment the very first question out of the gate to the point he was like, can we just start over? Can you ask me another question? (laughs) You know, I said this before on a past show, too. Like, there's a way to get around the no comment thing if you don't want to answer. Like, if you noticed during the the press conference after the Elimination Chamber, when there there was someone in the crowd that had asked Triple H straight up about the sale of WWE, he didn't say no comment. He just kind of worked himself around it and turned it into a positive thing. Tony's just a dick. I kind of like that, though, because wrestling needs it. Yeah, I don't know. I, just I, like got, I got beef with TK. I like the direct approach. I'm not going to lie. If anyone part of AEW listens to this, please note this disclaimer. We do not mean anything we say. That's a lie. But please still invite us to your media calls and send us interviews. Thank you. I love you guys. I'm just hurt. That's all. <laughs> just, we're not, not mad. I'm just disappointed. Call me. We're, yeah, we're not, we're not mad. We're just disappointed. <laughs> all right. Speaking of being disappointed, let's get in to this pay-per-view, which fans, by the way, after this podcast – you can stay on and listen to the bonus track of the AEW media call with Tony Khan that you just listened to all of us gripe about. 
there were some good questions. I, I won't lie, but just, just not by just anybody listen. here. My question yeah. got asked in, in a version of what I wanted to ask. It was about a brand split, but it it got it, it got asked eventually. Yeah, some someone got mine too with uh, all elite women. Yeah, and I was like, "You motherfucker!" Yeah, if I was Sean Ross Sapp, I would have got. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about this pay per view AEW. Yeah, thank you. Which I didn't know there was a pay per view until I I got an email about a fucking media call on Thursday for for this pay per view. I had no idea. I didn't I had know no either. Idea. I Which, watched. Way, I, I had... watched. Uh, uh, what is it? Fucking. I watched last night and still didn't even realize it was a fucking pay per view. Yeah, it was the go home <laughs> show. Yeah, like I knew Revolution was going to be coming around soon, and I didn't realize that we were already at that point because they just didn't bring it up on TV. They'd be like, "Oh, these guys are going to face a Revolution," but like, won't tell you when. Well, my thing is, I I always thought Revolution was like fucking January, February, like it's late as fuck. I couldn't tell you like when a single pay per view is of the. Yeah, no, RN, you're right because usually they do the Revolution pay per view, and then after that they start hyping up the St. Patrick's Day edition of Dynamite. Right. Yeah. Which now we're gonna have this pay per view and then have like two or three weeks to do it. Yay! Rush storytelling. Yay! Yay. Sucks because their their St. Patrick's Day edition of their show is actually like the one show of theirs I actually like throughout the year. Isn't that the? It wasn't the first edition where you got the the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa Lights Out match. Yep. Iconic like bloody Britt Baker. Yeah, and then they had their rematch last year. Yeah. Hell yeah. It was two oh, years that's ago. A, yeah, that's a good show, man. Yeah, they do a good show with that. Yeah, yeah, because they always just throw Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa in the main event. Just yeah, go out there and bleed. Year. <laughs> well, as far as a good show, I don't know if AEW Revolution is going to be a good show or not, but let's break down the card. The first match is a singles match, and it's uh, Christian Cage versus... Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Thank you. I just didn't want to fucking say Jack Perry because just drop the Jungle Boy shit then. Right. What's wrong like, with Jungle Boy? I don't know. He doesn't have fucking the human Jurassic Park with him anymore, so drop that shit. <laughs> but Man. he's always been Jungle Boy, even before Luchasaurus. <laughs> like like when I had to review AEW Dark for Sports Keto one night, the one fucking promo that's cut is by the goddamn dinosaur, and he goes... Have you ever seen a dinosaur wrestle that has a college degree? That was the promo. That was the yeah. Thank you. I see some yawns in there. Thank you. That was the fucking promo. Which is funny though, because Luchasaurus is actually capable of delivering a good promo when he started talking. Man, yeah. You know what Luchasaurus isn't capable of wrestling, winning Big Brother. Oh, or or making it through WWE NXT. Bingo. Drop the bike. Uh, uh, a uh, training war against Bill DeMott. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's weird to believe or like remember that Luchasaurus was part of the, uh, he was like part of the first class of NXT superstars. That one like still just gets me because he was just a no name back then. Judas Devlin. But no, back to what I was saying though, like he's capable of actually delivering a, a, a good promo. I like when him and Jungle Boy were still together towards the end when they were like going for the tag team titles. They had him doing most of the talking because mm-hmm. Jungle Boy was awful on the mic at that point. 
And like he's capable of doing it when they let him, but like now where the fuck is he? I just want to know why are we doing this match again for like the twentieth fucking time in the last two years? So I was thinking that too, but my opinion actually changed of it this past week on Dynamite because that was actually a really good promo segment that they did with them. I liked the graveyard segment because you assumed that it was like having some sort of flashback with his dad passing away. But like I, I honestly I think Christian in my opinion, because there's really not a lot of good heels in AEW because they all try to play to that cool internet fan base and they become the cool heel, MJF included. I really think Christian's the only good heel in AEW right now. No, I mean, I'm not I'm not mad at either performer. Like, I actually like both of them, but I'm sick and fucking tired of seeing them in a program together. It's literally been, like, over a year. It's like Edge and the Judgment Day. Right. Like it just won't stop. Nah, that will ahead. not be I, – I agree with you, RN. And it will not be the only time on this card tonight I say, I don't want to fucking watch this match again. All right. It's not. This is good. That's not the only time that's going to happen. Because <laughs> I'm going to say it again. I'll tell this you, one. If, it, if it opens the show, it, it, you know, it's just going to be the class. It's it's going to be the classic uh, uh, trope that AEW has with their pay-per-views is that you you'll find yourself not wanting the matches or complaining about the build but then once you're in the match they a lot of them blow you away all right stan what are you talking i just i opened up with two critiques i can say one nice thing without being a fucking stan no you can't yes i can you asshole Uh, you fucking dick um But uh, no, no, man. I bet you. I bet you. If it's a no holds barred match, I bet it's it's gonna be a fucking bloody brawl. No, um, like, and I'm I agree with you. Like, I mean, ninety percent of the time that is what happened because that's all they do is have good matches. Like, they don't do any build or storytelling. But my thing is like, how many fucking times can we see this match? Like, I, yeah. and it's gonna be a good match. Like, we know it's gonna be because they're both good performers and Christian's fucking a legend and Jungle Boy's up and coming. Like, and I he's definitely a future world champ for sure. But it's just like. There's no one else for these two fucking guys to wrestle. I gotta agree, and like I said just a minute ago, I feel the same exact way with this feud. Well, I, I shockingly, I'm gonna critique this a lot, but this is actually probably the only match I am looking forward to because it's the only one that has some semblance of storytelling behind it. But at the same time, it is the same exact way I feel about what WWE is doing with Edge and Finn Balor right now. Coincidentally, Christian's tag team partner, like the fact that this Judgment Day Edge feud's been going on since like a month or two after WrestleMania last year, and now him and uh, Edge and Balor are going to face each other in Mania. I feel the same way about their feud that I do about the Jungle Boy Christian feud. Do you think that um, the the little vignette promo the Jungle Boy had uh, is indicating that there he's going to do like a buried alive spot? Yes. I thought at first they were he was hinting at a buried alive match, but I think. Think he's literally gonna bury Christian. Um, we might see a man die. Yeah, dude, that's what I'm talking about. Like, like a dark shower over. You. Yes. <laughs> Good. Maybe that we won't see this match again. There's no need to, but I do have to agree with Alex that this is the only one that has any real tangible stories. Do it. Uh, thank you for letting me on the call, AEW. But they. This is one thing that TK did bring up, though. Uh, Lee, he mentioned to watch Rampage because there might be some stuff pertaining to this match on the live edition. So like he did hint that we might get a little bit more because he said the eight card, the eight matches on the main card were what they were sticking with, but there might be some changes to the pre-show 
and Jungle Boy and Christian's match. So there might be some like a little bit of a swerve or a curveball still in store for this match specifically. Yeah, he did, but I'm not going to be one of the 300,000 people that watch it. I was going to say, the other reason he told people to tune in is because the ratings are tanking. <laughs> Hence one what? of the 300,000. Well, I mean, I, and honestly, that's, I'm not even saying this to shit on him, like, but like that Friday night time slot at 10 o'clock, like that is a dumbass fucking spot. Like nobody's yeah. home. They already watched SmackDown. So like they're right. probably pretty much done with wrestling. Like, and honestly, Rampage is sometimes a better show than fucking Dynamite is, especially as far as matches go and everything. But it's just like, who the fuck's home or awake on Friday at 10 o'clock? Like that's, that's, that's why I never watch it. Like I always watch it Saturday morning or Sunday morning and shit. Cause it's like, I'm out on Friday nights. Right. Like everybody's either sleeping or heading to the bars. Right. Friday is for the three B's at 10 PM. You're either in bed, blunt or beers. Amen. You forgot bitches or bitches. That's all. I was gonna, all right. Four. Yeah. Booty, booty bitches. What, what would you guys think about Big this? booty bitches? What would you guys wow. think about this? And Lee, I'm curious about your 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 position on this. Move Rampage. It's a one hour show. Take it off Fridays altogether. Move it to six oh five on Tuesdays and run it on TBS like the six oh five Supercast used to do in the eighties in honor of what JCP and them did. And run a one hour wrestling show like they did back then and make it live. Do the same city back-to-back. Do a small studio-style show with Rampage and then do a live Dynamite blowout show for the night after. That's not a bad idea, too, because more people will probably tune into Rampage than they will to NXT, if we're being honest. Right. Yeah, we've <clears throat> we've seen how I think that, that went, they, too. Tuesdays, though, they stay away from Tuesdays because of fucking NBA, especially, like, yeah. now with playoffs and shit. So, like, that's, I, I that's think that's the true. main reason why they stayed away from Because I, I thought Tuesday would be a perfect night too to go back up against NXT like and just shit on them again like I thought that that would be like a perfect night to fucking do it too you know what I'm saying like I said and it's like a one hour show but that that Tuesday night slot for TBS and TNT like I I think that they're just staying away from it because of the NBA you know honestly before the industry got so flooded with so many wrestling shows too I would have said Saturday would have been a great spot only because back when TNA our impact was on Saturdays and they were doing the one hours that was like some of the best time to watch wrestling but now you've got You've got multiple different companies doing multiple different pay-per-views throughout the weekend, and it's just damn near impossible to run yeah. anything on the weekend now. Speaking of being overflooded with wrestling throughout the week, uh, Ring of Honor just started back up this week, guys. Oh, <laughs> thank our, goodness. Two-hour show every week. <laughs> Ring what of channel Honor. is it on? Honor Club. Honor Club. Honor Club. So it doesn't exist. $10 a month. <laughs> yeah, you can pay nine ninety nine a month to watch Honor Club TV. And then and, still pay for the pay-per-views. And still pay 50 bucks for your Ring of Honor pay-per-views. Or you can just pay the 50 bucks for the pay-per-view and get your vignettes to catch up on the stories. Or you can just pirate it. Ah, he said it, not me. Yeah, I said it. For real. I'm fucking paying for Honor Club, fucking AEW Lite. Get the fuck out of here. Yo, we're, we're, yo, don't be like Netflix. We fucking password sharing. All right, yeah, we can do that. What is with that? that? My wife just signed us back up because we've had, like, we've been stealing someone else's netflix for like no 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 hours. one of you guys get honor club for 10 bucks and then we'll share my 10 dollar new japan world and then we'll <laughs> you see what i mean <laughs> uh, uh, here's the thing well these streaming we've shows. already well, done that i was gonna say well here's the thing justin and i beat you to that i have the subscription for honor club and he's got the new japan world subscription i'll shoot those passwords over yeah how i was about to say streams oh. can you run 
I'll PayPal both of you $5 a month. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think with Honor Club, I don't think there's like a, a certain amount of streams you can run at once. I'll have to double check into it. Yeah, most most ser- like streaming services, that is one of the things is like you concurrent streams. Yeah. yeah, like I think New Japan World can only have two mm-hmm. at the same time. I think I remembered reading. But so, who do you guys think is going to win this match, Christian or? Uh, oh Jungle yeah, Boy? we're talking about this match. What the fuck? Jungle Boy <laughs> all day, man. Jungle Boy all day. Unless unless he gets buried, and then you guys get what you want, and he loses the Jungle Boy moniker, and then he's just like Zombie Boy. So. Zombie boy, <laughs> yes, zombie boy. This is Christian Cage's swan song in AEW. I'm shooting my shot. I think that he'll be wrapping up soon with the company because his contract will be expiring, and he will lay low for about six months, then sign a one day deal and retire in WWE. By the I'm end kind of the year, I'm going to kind of one day deal. Like, does that shit really happen? No, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Sports teams do it all the time. I'm going to kind of go close to what Will said, um, mainly for the fact, and I was actually going to say this too, I I don't see Christian winning here. And I think think Christian's done a good job of, you know, we might not have the best opinions of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, but I I see them in a slightly better light than I did when AEW first started. Um, and, And I think that can be attributed to Christian. But with Edge saying that he's planning on retiring later this year, I could almost see Christian letting his contract expire so him and Edge can have one more match, whether it be with each other or as a tag team before they both retire. That's pretty much what I'm saying too, Alex. Yeah, you just pretty much finished my train of thought. Uh, But I was also picking Christian to lose and putting Jungle Boy over, kind of giving the young guy the rub, which sounds weird to say out of context of pro wrestling. Uh, All right, so we got a good mix between uh, Christian and Jungle Boy there. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry as well, and I see him moving into the TNT title picture after this, whether it be uh, with Joe or Wardlow or Hobbs or whoever the fucking champion's gonna be by the time he gets to it. The title may change hands like six more times at this rate. So, and we'll talk about the Hot Potato Championship in a bit. Yep, <laughs> Lee, what are your thoughts? Um, Will threw a curveball with that whole Christian's contract because I kind of forgot about it because I've been listening. To, I've been listening to FTR so much, like being like April, April, can't wait for April because you know they're leaving. I can, you know, Christian completely sidetracked on that one. So um, I'm going to say Christian because a T Rex interferes, but cost. <laughs> Jungle Boy the match. I got a big head and little arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we move Jungle Boy back into the other never-ending feud that he's involved with with Luchasaurus. Wonderful. Right. Yep. Yeah, and then he yeah. Booker of the year. So our next match is a four-way tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. We have the champions, the guns, taking on the acclaimed. Taking on Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. Taking on Orange Cassidy and Justin eh, Housen's eh, favorite. Eh, very nice. Eh, very nice. Very evil. And Housen. This match, this match sounds ass. I'm just going to say that. Thank you. Are you kidding me, dude? Oh, I'm going to pop so big when Jeff Jarrett wins those tag titles. I'm going to pop even harder when Dan Housen and Orange Cassidy win them. Oh. Somebody mute Alex's mic. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna pop so hard when someone takes the the championships away from a team that 
why the fuck did they win it to begin with? Probably just so the acclaimed can win. You get a bigger pop if you win titles at a pay-per-view and if instead of like retaining titles. I said this is kind of really only a like a singles match anyways because it's the acclaimed versus the guns, but we get Jared and Lethal and now we get, you know, Pocket Housing. Like Pocket so Housen. it's like <laughs> I love the name. So we we get the other two for the comedic. It's like giving us our tag team match and our comedy match at the same time, Lee. Right. It just like this. The thing about this match that pisses me off is that they have so many fucking tag teams that could be in this match, and then you just throw two hashtag fucking ragtag teams, fucking Jarrett and Jay Lethal and fucking Dan Housen and fucking Orange Cassidy. Like, come on, man. Just for the record, I do like Jay Lethal. I think he's a badass. Yeah, he's Jay Lethal's fire, and I don't have a problem with Jeff Jarrett, but it's just like he's ninety-seven years old, and like they just threw this tag team together. Like they haven't, they didn't like they've been like tearing the house down as a tag team. Like they're in that fucking battle Royal and that was it. Like it's, you have like 35 other tag teams that you could use and give some rub to and some shine to. And like, like yeah, I don't get, like I said, I hate hating on Jay lethal because they've literally fucking dropped the ball and treated him like shit the entire time he's been in the fucking promotion. And I hate them for it, but it's like, come on, bro. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because it seems like there's a better four way tag match on rampage this week where you got top flight, uh, the Blackpool Combat Club, Claudio and Yuta, the Dark Order, Silver, Silver and Reynolds, and then Aussie Open. And then we get this fucking match on the pay-per-view. Right, exactly. That's my point right there. Boom. I love it. I love every bit of it. Yeah. Except AW for, oh, except ahead, for the guns. I was just going to say, except for the guns being in it and still being tag champs, I'm fine with the rest of it. I'm okay with Jarrett and Lethal. Only because like they've got like that old school TNA stable thing going on. I'm a mark for old school TNA, so like I'm okay with that. Uh, Listen, the guns, the guns, I still don't think have any right holding the tag titles yet. Not to say that they wouldn't at some point, but I think it was way too early for them. Um, the acclaim obviously are there for a reason, and that's fine because they had their rematch. But you can't tell me that the crowd isn't going to pop for. Dan Housen, even though you don't like him, Justin, Fuck he off. is the number one merch seller in the company. So they, they know what they're they know I what they're see doing. those fucking numbers. They know <laughs> what they're doing. Those sound like Hogan math numbers to me. I think they missed the boat though with uh with Dustin Rhodes and and Keith Lee. Like y'all see that awesome Lee, whatever. Oh, the um, and, um well, there, uh, limit. Dude, there are three truths in life. Okay, Naturally Death taxes. And gold dust pairing up with black wrestlers, and they all they they do they always come through. I mean, I, I Lee, mean, I, please I, clip that death yeah, taxes like, and gold dust pairing with black, black wrestlers. It's the truth, but <laughs> but my thing is like I'm not even again like I'm not even trying to shit on like Dustin or whatever. Like it's just like like Keith Lee, like what the fuck are you doing? Like like why why is why are you just shifting him from tag teams? Like come on, bro. Like if what anything, it did for Booker T and Gold Dust. Okay, Fuck off. Yeah, Fuck right. But, Keith, but Keith Lee is guaranteed at least another twenty years in the business now. Right, but like in in RN's defense and what he's saying, look at how hot he Keith Lee was coming into the company after everything that happened with him at the end of his WWE right. run. Like everybody was going to bat for this guy, and you had amazing potential with Keith Lee from the moment that he arrived. You could have pushed him immediately into the world title scene and fans would have been okay with it. it I think that would have been an instance where they wouldn't have complained about the WWE guy going to the no, main event they wouldn't because have. they know that he was actually wronged on the main roster 
on Monday Night Raw. So, like, the fact that they didn't take advantage of that immediately boggles my fucking mind. Well, then on top of that, they kind of redeemed themselves with the Swerve shit. Like, that actually, the Swerve in Our Glory, dope name. Like, they were a dope-ass tag team. Like, they had some really good storytelling. And then and they then, ended it too early. Then they broke him up for no fucking reason, and then Keith Lee was off TV for fucking two months. So it's they like... Got poor, they have poor follow-through with, with all of their stuff. They start something, and then they... they nix it with no explanation look what look what what the book of Hobbs segments yeah you know we were getting some pretty pretty cool vignettes of of will hobbs and then they just stopped they're great at initiating stories cannot follow through and and they just don't know how to fucking use black wrestlers like let's just call a spade a fucking spade no i agree i i totally agree with rn it sounds like their promoters on coke and has add listen man that coke shit stop disrespecting cokeheads all right i honestly cokeheads a bad name (laughs) I think it's more or less to do with with right now, like he juggles like four full time jobs, like between like the analytics for the Jaguars and like all the other shit that he does. He's the director of football operations for the Fulham FC. Yeah, like he has four four full time executive positions. Kai's right. Like you do have to give the man his roses. Well, maybe he needs to learn to delegate a little bit because. That's and the that's mark exactly, of a good leader. And that's exactly it. Like, I was going to say, there was times where it. Vince was running a bunch of shit and he had people delegating and the shows that were coming out were still good. Not in recent memory, but back when WWE television under Vince was good, he it's had plenty good. of people he could delegate to. Yeah. And honestly, the only reason why I say that is more more like what Aaron said. I'm just trying to defend cocaine. That's, yeah, that's right. fair. It does. Let's let's not blame and, Coke and here. The thing it's, too it's that the pisses... innocent bystander and all of this. right. And like, yeah, leave Coke out of this. Coke is always there for us. Yeah, well, my doctor. Is... I'm a Dr Pepper guy. <laughs> and my thing is like he has so that, many Will. great wrestling minds there. To... <laughs> right. I'm sorry, Arvid. No, he's got like Chris Jericho and all these fucking people there that he can like help, that can help him and help him like delegate some shit. Like actual real great yeah. wrestling minds in the business that he could have help him. Like, like I said, just like. Hire somebody black, like get a fucking black focus group or something. Like you have an NFL team that's all niggas. Like figure something out. Like they just don't know how to use black people. Listen. in AEW besides Jade, and I don't even think it's because she's black. I just think because she's such a fucking presence and just a giant woman. Like I think that that helps her because she's a spectacle. But like name name a black wrestler in AEW that they've they've done any service to. Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Right now is so going great. great. I was I was waiting wow. for the time to drop that one. I was about to say, yeah, ever since they let Cody leave, that black presence was gone. Yeah. Yeah. The only I mean, reason the only reason the I brought that up was because has gone way down. Yeah. The only reason I brought that up was because <laughs> that god awful promo that he did before. Oh, the uh, Cody Rhodes ended racism promo? Yep. Yeah, man. <laughs> No I do have one question for you guys. How pissed do you think Billy Gunn is that his fucking kids emulate more of Shawn Michaels than they do him? I, I mean, isn't that what I've Billy Gunn did for most of his career? That's what I said. What do you mean? He's They're following in his footsteps. Yeah, he did the same thing for his career. I don't even get the Shawn Michaels reference from them. No, uh, it's, so actually, the, it's the Shawn Michaels. I, I definitely sure. see the Shawn Michaels in, in when the did, When did Shawn Michaels like tights. rap and shit? Like, they, no, no, no! The like guns, the guns, the guns, their attire, the guns attire has literally no, literally no. Billy, used... Billy Guns, Austin Gun, Austin Gun, like raps legit. Uh, I've never heard it, so 
Yeah. yeah. No, he does, man. Yeah, no, so what I was going from was the fact that the guns have literally been shown on AEW TV wearing, like, the Heartbreak kid attire. Yeah. Uh, yeah literally. I was about to say, like, right after he put Janetti through the window HBK, right. like, young HBK. But it was yeah. literally the Heartbreak Kid logo. And I'm like, how did WWE not send them a cease and desist for that? Well, my yeah, thing is, like, true. the Mr. Ash, it was just, it was just Shawn Michaels in DX before. Like, I mean, it was not really much nah, different. It was... Like, his mannerisms, like, how he dressed, mm-hmm. everything. Like, it was HBK as fuck. So, like, I mean, yeah, it was just following his footsteps to me. <laughs> it, it was definitely, it was 90s HBK DX without, without question. Yeah, yeah they... Just because the ring gear is what made me say it. Like he, their ring gear is like straight up fucking Shawn Michaels, nineteen ninety five, ninety six. Oh, yeah. definitely Listen, rocker shit. They, they can't do the fucking smoking guns gimmick. Hangman does the cowboy shit stuff on the show, right? Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah, you know no, the smoking guns briefly actually fired blanks into the crowd. Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I remember that. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. Could I you fire blanks imagine? too. The nineties were fucking <laughs> wild. <bro. laughs> So Kyle, Kyle's going with uh, Lethal and Jarrett, correct? Oh, yeah, we were talking yeah, about a match. Yeah, dude, going Lethal and Jarrett. Oh, yeah, the there's way. a tag team match. <laughs> I'm going Lethal and Jarrett, too, just because it's the black guy. There you go. Okay. I say the Acclaim get it back. Alex, I believe you were going with Orange Cassidy and Justin Housen. Mm-hmm. First off, it's not fucking Justin Housen, but I, uh, I hate to say it, but I think the guns are going to retain here. You know, in all reality, that's probably what's going to happen because Justin never gets these fucking predictions wrong. Sorry, <laughs> I'm going to go with the acclaimed. I'm going to I'm going to go with Will on this one. I I think it's just playing hot potato, and this gets just a huge pop. I would like that, but the fact yeah. that it's a fatal four way makes me think uh, fucking Danhausen's going to fuck it all up and you know get pinned. So pocket Housen. yeah, very nice, very whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Progress. You heard it. As a black man, RN, what do you think of Dan Housen? Uh, I got no opinion. Like, he, I mean, he's, I don't hate him, but I don't like him either. You know, he used to pour jars of people's teeth in their mouth, right? Like, you guys know that? Oh, yeah. Indy Danhausen was actually terrifying. Yeah. Like, like his old, like, Hill Danhausen is fucking crazy. Yeah, heel Danhausen on the indie scene is actually nightmare inducing and not like Justin, not like your nightmares of him. Like it's actually terrifying. His we nightmares. Got we got a glimpse of that at full gear on the um the buy-in a few months ago. Right. And you and I even yeah. talked about that, that if they had actually went in a direction with that, that might have even swayed your opinion a little bit. But nope, right back to normal. Right. Well, I don't think they can make him intimidating in the ring. Justin's nightmare with Danhausen is why he has stiff socks. Uh-huh. Listen, if they can make Orange Cassidy intimidating in the ring, they could find some way to do it with Danhausen. I, I find that impossible, but we'll see. Our next match, guys, is Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks. Again. They did this feud backwards, is what they yeah. did with this feud. It is played out like literally how you how you do a, a story. Um, rivalry. Yeah, they've done this entire thing backwards. Here's my opinion on it. So, a lot of people at the beginning of AEW compared Chris Jericho to, like, the Hulk Hogan with, 
him crossing over to WCW and joining WCW and like made it out to be a positive thing, which it was for a while. I attribute Chris Jericho to being the later days of Hogan and WCW lately in the sense that for the most part, he kills the momentum of almost any up and coming wrestler that they have in AEW. Um, I would, I even thought for a while that MJF's momentum was going to kind of go down after his feud with Jericho, but he managed to get that back on his own between his feud with Punk and the 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 ongoing shit with Tony Khan. But like even MJF didn't, I don't think did any favors. I don't think it did him any favors feuding with Jericho. I I personally have not been a fan of the Jericho run in AEW ever since the Le Champion shit ended and the Inner Circle broke up. I I, I think he's just convinced that he needs to put himself over and. I don't know. It just doesn't do anything for me to have him in AEW anymore. I'm going to be honest with you. I like it. I mean, they don't have a star big as Jericho. And I'm sorry. I mean, we just need to come to that realization. Like, Mox and them can be, but even at their at their peak, none, nobody on that roster was a big a star as Jericho was at any time in their career. So, like, I, I'm not, I don't mind it, I, but I agree with you. Like, I hate that they always put him with the up-and-coming guy, and it does kind of, like, overshadow him and shit and everything, kind of, like, dims their light a little bit because he's definitely not letting them go over on him right and even but, if he loses at a pay-per-view he ends up getting his heat back like the next show right which i mean i'm not mad at i mean he's the biggest star on that roster so like feed feed your star i'm sorry but i hope i hope ricky starts wins this like i feel like he's been slowly building like this is probably one of their better builds that they've done with the with any character there so like i'm hoping that this is kind of like his jumping off point to get kind of shoehorned into the world title picture, which I doubt is going to happen, but fingers crossed. I mean, he did. He, I mean, Ricky Stark did just brush up with, with MJF and then go straight into this with Jericho. Like, I, I mean, dude, I, I, Jericho's fine. Like, I don't think we're hitting peaks of like the list and everything, but I think that he still garnishes like some of the most interest um, on, on the active, like weekly roster. Uh, but like I said, the shit's just backwards. Like, like where you said, like he he takes the loss and he gets his heat right back. It should just have been the other way around. Ricky Starks had to jump through all those hoops, uh, lost to Jericho, and then and then ultimately won the blow off. But it started with essentially the blow off match. And Not was- to mention that they're they're doing his build backwards. Like you had just brought up with him having yeah. that match with MJF. We should have been doing the Chris Jericho shit first, having him win and then go on to MJF. Yeah, it, it is. It's like an early peek into like the 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 main scene. Remember, we got that a couple of years ago with I think like Jungle Boy and MJF, and we were all like, "Oh, that's a future world title match right there." You know what I mean? But yeah, and now I don't see Jungle Boy facing MJF for the no, world title anytime soon. <laughs> they like, they like I, to I don't show mind him doing it, it. Looks like right. Like I don't mind him doing event. it kind of backwards because I don't think he's. I don't think Ricky Starr is ready to be the champ, and I don't think they're ready for him to be the champ. So like, no. I didn't mind it going that way. But like like Kyle said, we got a little preview that we can see that he can fucking hold his own, and that I think his mic work is what separates him from all those other up and coming guys that we saw that kind of got their shit kind of skirted off. Besides MJF, like the mic work is going to be his saving grace. Like in yeah, the like, end, he's I think the only one that's got like one up on MJF on the mic. Yeah, right, I think I think that was Jungle yeah. Boy's biggest undoing over the years too, because they really had him pegged to be a main star when he joined. Right. And, I think that was his biggest problem when we, uh, when he had those brushes with top guys is that, I mean, he's doing better now. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to his time working with Christian, but beforehand jungle boy could not speak on a microphone for the life of him. Uh, 
You guys are all missing one very key point. Can we talk about how Chris Jericho has fucking Benjamin buttoned his way into life somehow? This right. dude has started aging backwards. He looks like Y two like Y two like J Chris Jericho now. Mm-hmm. The thing like, that trips me out about him too is like he'll get fat or get like dad bod for like a couple months and then you turn around and look, he's got a fucking eight pack. Like no, it's that's like what I'm weird. saying. He took that he took that body shaming shit on Twitter a couple of years ago to fucking heart, man. Yeah, he did. And- well, he signed the five year deal last year, which means he's on contract until twenty twenty seven. So even if he uses the last year of it as an admin position where he's all backstage producing, we've got another two or three years left of the Ocho in the ring. And if he continues to work the way he's working, I'll be okay with it. I'm over the Jericho Appreciation Society, though. Go I've been back. over that since day one. That Just is, let him like be. The biggest misstep. The fat yeah, bucks, like, the I'm not a big fan here. of it. It's not my thing. <laughs> We're kind of the fat bucks on TV like literally makes me not want to watch it at all. Like, yeah, even, I, even not want to watch Jericho. Like, I fucking hate those guys. Like, I hated them in NXT when there were 16 different fucking iterations of the tag team. Like, they just fucking suck balls. Like, and anytime they're on my TV, I just want to, like, destroy my fucking TV. I don't like the Young Bucks either, RN. Fuck you, too. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, and I think... I think the other part of it, Will, is he also had that health scare. What was it, a year or two ago, where he was in the hospital... And he even won a record saying that they said one of the things he needed to do, stop doing was was drinking as much right. as he was because he was gaining a lot of his weight when he was on tour with Fozzie because they would go and do these shows and he would say that you know he would drink like a whole fucking bottle of vodka afterwards while partying with the guys. Man. Yeah, and well, and, and while he admitted that, he said that that also attributed to some of the you know the health scares that he had had. So I gotta imagine that's probably part of it too. Party like a rock star. However. My pick is Ricky Starks to win because fuck Jericho and AEW. <laughs> Ricky Starks for the win because Tony Khan seems to think everybody can beat Chris Jericho now. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Like everybody can. Action Andretti beat him. Yeah, it's just chinks of the armor. All right. Book it next week. Chris Jericho versus Kyle. Yeah. Ben I'll beat him. Dango. I'll fucking beat him, dude. Zach yeah, true. Spider. True. Well, I was going to say, we can't even talk shit. Vince let Fandango beat him at WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah exactly so there we go looks like uh ricky starks uh you, you keep forgetting about me asshole anyway <laughs> um I'm, I'm picking chris jericho only because ricky starks got the uh win on the first dynamite this year yeah it's okay to be wrong justin yeah okay. it's okay to but be we'll wrong see. Uh, watch when uh, paul white interferes and we get jericho in aew alex fuck you dude they have trademarked it that is a thing. Uh, Chris Jericho trademarked the Jericho show name, and Paul White has said that he's returning soon. So listen, I wouldn't if, mind it. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'll take Paul it. White shows up, yeah. decimates the entire JAS, knocks Anna J right out. Another another hook to Ty Conti. Oh, that's and then, Bill's job. Yeah. Oh, damn. Whose job? <laughs> Willow Nightingale. Who uh, power bombed her off the stage, and now she has dislocated ribs, Anna J. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. yeah. Shit but, happens, man. You can't blame Willow for that. Shit yeah. happens. If he uses Paul White to absolutely annihilate the JAS, I'll be okay with Jericho again. <laughs> Make a yes, B. That's what do it. Take him off TV. Like, like have that be the last thing we see. And when they show up next week, all of a sudden they're just like baby faces and the biggest face tag team in the company, and put them up and against a hill like acclaimed. 
whatever fucking happened. Like, I thought the whole reason why he left WWE was so he could wrestle. Like, has he wrestled fucking more than twice in AEW? That's what I was about to say. He's also he's also been um, injured and had to get a couple surgeries since he joined AEW. So that's what kind of sidelined him. Mark Henry is also on their payroll, and he has said multiple times on Busted Open he's just waiting to be asked. Like, he said he's ready to whoop ass. Because he told but it, Bully Ray he beat his ass the other day mm-hmm. because Bully Ray and uh, Tommy Dreamer were going back and forth about the, the Impact stuff. Bro, you're more likely to see Mark Henry show up on Impact now because they just had Dave LaGreca show up on uh, the fucking pay-per-view last weekend. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Just... That was all written kayfabe for the show, too. I, I applaud them for taking it on a busted open and holding character right. the way they did. Yeah, like, I know. They cut an episode short for the story. So, mm-hmm. uh... Welcome to your impact zone tonight, guys. Lee, I know that's not what the fuck's happening on your show, but here it is. <laughs> what if uh what if they're just waiting for the Ring of Honor to get up and running and they're gonna send Big Show and uh Mark Henry there and just do the WWE ECW shit all over again? My God. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Big show, champ of uh or Paul White. Paul White champ. Give us Mark Henry over W Mark Henry over ECW Mark Henry. Come on now, make it. That's that's exactly what we're about to get. Man. Sexual chocolate, Mark Henry debuts Sexual at Ring of Honor. Yes, no, and he brings, Mark, and his Mark... tag team partner is the Hand. Oh, we get, uh, we get... his his son, the his second son. generation superstar. <laughs> Mark Book Henry, TK fucking... Booker of the Year. Mark, we get, Mark um, we get TK goes USA, down there. We get uh, Durag TK. The USA singlet from '96 when he faced uh, Jerry Lawler. Oh right. God, that thing was hideous. So many good ideas. TK Book oh, Mark good. Henry. Book it. Well, speaking of booking it, our next match is for the AEW Hot Potato Championship. As Samoa Joe defends his championship against Wardlow. Again. Weren't they a tag team like five minutes ago? When this episode started, weren't Wardlow and Samoa Joe a tag team together? Yes. Yes. I was just clarifying. (laughs) I like this match because we get to see how big fucking Wardlow is not. Like, and they play him up like he's like seven fucking foot and he could barely get fucking at Samoa Joe up on any of those fucking power bombs. Like, it's an optical illusion. I mean, Samoa Joe is also a fat bastard. My hand looks real big (laughs) because it's camera angles. Yeah. They're not, they're not actually, they're actually like eight feet apart. They just you have Wardlow stand closer to the camera, right? Yeah, like it's it like he's fucking six one, bro. Like get the fuck out of here. Here's another <laughs> case for me though, because like I didn't hate Wardlow, and I was I actually enjoyed him on TV before. But here's another case similar to the Keith Lee situation. Wardlow had more momentum than anybody in anybody. the company. Anybody coming out of his uh, leaving the Pinnacle and feuding with MJF, and then what are we doing? I, I don't attribute that to him, though. I attribute that no. to the MJF situation, double or nothing weekend. Yeah, but why should he have had to suffer for that? And why should MJF be the world champion over that? If And, I, like, I, I get I get the fan bases behind MJF, but I'm talking from, like, a real-life non-kayfabe standpoint. Right. Yeah, and I think I, it's just, you know, it's always risky to pivot and go with the hot hand sometimes when instead of, like, what you've already planned out. And it's always easy in hindsight to be like, yeah, but, you had this hot thing you could have struck, and it's like, well, we were already trying to do something. We well, don't, yeah, but you can still capitalize on it when not, without actually having him win the title. Like it could have been disqualification. Anything. He could still get a win and not win the title. Like they just did not, they did not put him in any position to capitalize on that, on that hot streak at all. Like yeah, it's they like, didn't really have a plan yeah. for him. He was even oh. still hot when he won the TNT title to original, like originally, but then they just, they did the same thing that they did with Hangman Adam Page, won the world title. They had him win the title and then he wasn't on TV for weeks. 
right. for no it's reason. It's about like, consistency, and that's a big issue with this company right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think but, that's why most of us are here tonight. But I do. I, I throw th- this I, in I, here. I thought we were supposed to be talking how excited we were for Revolution. Like, I throw this. I came here for. I throw well, this I'm in anytime somebody brings it up. <laughs> I, I don't give a shit. But they, <laughs> uh, 1976, Wahoo McDaniels and Ric Flair, the Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight Championship. Um, that, those are the territories, Kyle. Jim Crockett promotions. <laughs> I was like, dude, you fucking lost me, bro. Like, uh, they traded that title six times. And at the point, everybody was like, what the fuck are they doing? But at the end of the year, when it culminated in like the cage match or whatever, the whole point of all the title changes makes sense. So part of me is holding on to a little glimmer of hope that TK is going to make all these sporadic TV title changes make sense. But then again, it is TK. So I say, fuck it. Give the belt back to Wardlow because why the fuck not? I was going to say, isn't Samoa Joe still the TV champion in Ring of Honor? Yeah, well, he holds all the TV power. He is the, the king of television. He's the Rupert Murdoch of professional wrestling. He owns all the TV. Oh, How does he man. get so much use and feel like he's hardly used at the same time? That's just, I feel like, been a, a common consistency. Of Have Samoa you ever Joe's seen career. Samoa Joe's career? Yeah, thank you. I was literally like, that's his, that's the story of his I life. I was going <laughs> to say, even his, even his home company of TNA did that to him multiple times. That's going to be the like, title. I feel like I see Samoa Joe a lot, but I don't feel like he does anything. Right. Like, like and Samoa Joe, was, for Samoa Joe I mean? was the hottest superstar in all of pro wrestling in 2006. And then TNA signed Kurt Angle, and they were like, huh, eh, well, see ya. Yeah. Then it happened in WWE and NXT, and it happened in AEW. But yep. the thing is with Samoa Joe, his entire career can be summed up in the one spot where they do the moonsault and he just casually walks away to the hard camera. It's my favorite spot in all of pro wrestling. That's I... his entire career in one two and a half second spot is just Samoa Joe calmly walking through life. I think Samoa Joe's biggest hot streak was when he was doing commentary for WWE. Dude, his commentary. Dude, he was, was fire cool. on the commentary table. But that man, that man commentated WrestleMania in the rain, and then they mm-hmm. fired him a week later. Disrespect. The last image we had of Samoa Joe and WB for a few moments was him in a fucking rain poncho. I know. Uh, uh, Dude, that poor poor fucking man. Joe out in the rain. Man deserves so much better. But he's gonna lose. Yeah. Yeah. Because fuck continuity. Yeah, Wardlow's gonna win this one. It is the hot potato championship after all. Do we not like title changes or something? It's like, just too much. When it me. makes sense, I'm up for it. But when you're just fucking throwing the title left and right, what do it's you mean? The same it issue. Makes sense. A guy beats another guy in the ring, and then the guy walks away with the belt. That yeah. makes sense. But when I, it goes I, back and forth multiple times, it's the same issue that everybody had with Cody with the TNT title. Darby had the belt for a second. Let's not forget that. That's somebody else who's not even in this match, who's held the title. Who's not even on the show. Yeah, who's held this title, like, in between the two of these guys who've already traded the title. But you see, it's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah. This is is that match that I say, what the fuck? Why are we doing this again? Is this the car crash match, though? You know how every AEW show has that one match? Do you think this will be it, or will it be another Like the brawl into the stadium? This is going to be... This is going to no, be the match where be, the uh, that's the... Mox and Hangman. Oh yeah, yeah. I, oh yeah, they have yeah, the death the match. Death yeah. match dude. yeah, this no, is no, going to be got... this is going to be the match where the announce table gets destroyed. Yeah, um, I mean, on the, the stage never gets destroyed. Yeah, they'll they'll do it all the way up there. No contest. Yeah, 
Oh, that's a great finish, Alex. Can I change my answer, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with Hobbs, by the way. We, okay, yeah, I want to bring that up. I was about too. to say, you guys, we've we've framed this like it's a one-on-one match. Wait, Hobbs is <laughs> in this match? No, no. So no, no, Hobbs Powerhouse Hobbs no, won fuck. the face. No, that's right. He ain't in this He'll shit. get the TV championship the oh, next week yeah, on TV. No, he won, he that's, won the... that's honestly what I'm expecting, because I'm picking one. He won the Sonic the Hedgehog ring. So best case scenario, Wardlow wins it, then gives the belt to Hobbs on Wednesday, and we get two more title changes to talk about the next time we see each other. That's literally what I'm expecting. Yeah. Isn't I'm changing that, um, my answer a second time now. <laughs> isn't that ring supposed to be used like the money in the bank contract? Like, no, uh, you usually get the uh, match. So they did it on the Dynamite before Revolution, I'm assuming, because they don't have enough time on this fucking show. Uh, so it's usually the first Dynamite after Revolution. So Powerhouse Hobbs will get his match next week. Did they do that with Scorpio Sky? Because I, I feel like memory served Scorpio Sky like, had to wait forever for his title match, but I could. So he waited forever, but he it, it was also planned out. Still, didn't Wardlow not announce his though? No, he got he got his match at St. Patrick's Day Slam last year. Oh was... yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so he's Ward... just been fighting for this title for a year on and off. Mm-hmm. Eighty-four yeah. years. <laughs> Love it. Where that? Speaking of Scorpio Sky, where the hell is he? Uh, cleared, but they have no plans for him. Smart, yeah. smart. That's ring that's... of honor. That's real smart. Yeah, Ring, yeah, of, Ring Honor of Honor. Is what's gonna happen. He was backstage at Impact this past weekend. Yeah, because striking. he's probably going to join Frankie Kazarian, and SoCal Uncensored is probably going to end up in Impact. I, man, I don't fuck with Scorpio, so I was Booker T Jr. <laughs> See, I liked him because when the shit did that I, I, I RN? Wait, that fucking miss something? I like Scorpio's mic work. Yeah, he fucking defended old girl when she was calling everybody nigga backstage. Oh, I didn't. Oh, know you that. talking about uh, Blanchard? Whatever. Yeah, he defended her. I didn't Tessa? know that. Tessa? Yeah. All right. You know what? Fuck him. That's Did she really do anything him. wrong, though? Like, yeah, really. she was. She was literally calling. Sorry, she was literally calling a bunch. Yeah, of you see where her career is now? She was a world champion, though. Like I she... thought that came with being a world champ. Like you yeah, just but what, so saying, David Arquette. Yeah. Listen, I thought, we don't... I thought there was some like amenities or something. We don't live show. in the Hulk Hogan era anymore, brother. <laughs> right, bro. <laughs> no, my oh, thing is it was it was the WWE title. That did that, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, because Vince was champ, and he was able to drop the N-bomb right on yeah. TV. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, I got you. But he had the do-rag. He yeah. did, too. You get a pass when you got the do-rag or a koofy on. You get a pass. <laughs> <laughs> and you got Booker T to, to join you in the segment, right? Yeah, that doesn't count. That's like having a white dude with you, so that takes <laughs> away his cred. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, shit. Well... Guys, Thanks for next making it weird, Kyle. Hey, no, listen. <laughs> no one, no one answered me though. Let's I talk about te- what, what was really bad. What did Tessa really do? What here? did she <laughs> honestly do? That was bad. Called from- a bunch of people niggas, and she's not black. No, I already. Right, I got to bully a bunch of women backstage either. Well, yeah, and the bullying part too. But I mean, Bro, you can. She- did I know Kyle's say... genuinely confused about the situation, so that's why it's so funny to me, because if he knew, he would definitely understand why it's so funny that he's like, I don't understand what she did. Like, she I don't get it. Champ, man. <laughs> Didn't she also, like, spit on somebody, too? Yeah, she yeah. spit on somebody. Well, I, and she, and just to all clarify, of these I paid things her come with being TNA champion, though, I thought. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of right. Hookers and blow. Good oh, Lord. Y'all need, y'all need Jesus. RN, did you did did Facebook algorithm show you that music video Homie Hopper yet? 
uh, while we're talking about um, uh, uh, Tessa Blanchard. It's a white chick who continually drops an N-bomb and or the N-bomb and raps about uh, getting trains ran on her and like fucking her brother's like friends and shit like that. So basically I mean, Tessa Blanchard's whole entire career. Dude, I'm telling you, you have to see this shit. It is one of those things like, you know how like every now and then you see something so bad, it's fantastic. Like that's Send it to me now. I'll yeah, find I'm it again. It's called TNA. Homie Hopper, bro. It is, dude. You and you and Adam will love this fucking song. I, I heard Homie you. Hopper, and I thought we were still talking about the TNT title. No, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna jump away from the hot potato championship. There, that's a good idea. Yeah, we're gonna we're yeah. gonna jump into uh, the Menage Trois for the AEW Women's Championship with Jamie Hader. Ruby Soho and Soraya. I'll start this one off. This okay, is good, I didn't care. This I is actually worry. the only other story besides Christian Youngboy that I think has some storytelling behind it. AEW was able to recognize that their fans were turning on Soraya very quickly as a babyface when she came back, and they made the right move, in my opinion, turning her and Tony Storm heel. Tony Storm is a way better heel than she is a face. Same thing can be said about Soraya. I mean, she can kind of play both sides, but she she makes an incredible heel. Uh, and I've I've stuck to that since her days in NXT. But uh, yeah, no, this was this was the perfect choice. I like that they didn't just go straight with the Soraya Jamie Hater one on one title match, and they had this conflicted storyline with Ruby Soho and added her into the match. Um, I think it I think it brings up a a little it, it makes the the match a lot less predictable. And because of that, I'm actually going to go with Ruby Soho winning the title. Yeah, I'm I'm done with Ruby. them if that happens. Like she's so ass. No, I mean she should get it by now, right? <laughs> the bird lady, no, she just doesn't. Like she's just too fucking much. Like the facials, like she literally looks like the bird lady from Kids in the Hall. Like tell me I'm lying. Kids in the oh my god, that's a deep cut. Deep cut, bro. She looks that like a, a fucking, fucking bird. She's just too much, bro. Like she's like too animated, too much facial, too much. Like I love her in the ring. Like don't get me wrong, I think she's dope as fuck in the ring. But oh, everything oh. else about her is ass. <laughs> oh my god, I just looked that up. Our not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Lee, can you pull up Bird Lady from Kids in the Hall? Oh, yeah. It's her. It's Ruby Soho's mom. That type thing is it? That's her mom. That's. <laughs> My God. Ooh, hold on one second. I kind of show my age. I know I don't look it because black don't crack, but I'm actually 40 years old. So I always forget you're older than I am. Yes. Uh, Jimmy Hater retains. Oh my God. <laughs> That's her, bro. <laughs> Jamie Hater retains. Oh, man. Not my stepdad was an extra on that show. That's why I, I, I know what that is. For real? I was about yeah. to say, man. Doesn't really seem wow. like an RN show. Uh, I got tears in my eyes. Okay, so look, Ruby Soho, I think, is in this match strictly to eat a fucking pin, and yep. I'm going to say Jamie Hayter retains. Oh, yeah, Ruby's straight up in this match to get pinned. Fuck off. Fuck you. <laughs> I never said that was against you. That could have been towards Lee. Grow up. Know. Grow up. You grow up. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with... Uh... Jesus Christ! I just saw. Bruce. Jesus Christ isn't in the match. He, yeah. uh, he already. Uh, had no, his I'm gonna go with. Uh, with I'm gonna fucking go with Soraya. That's what I'm gonna go with. Soraya's got this in the bag. This is her house, you know. All right, nobody else has any guesses, huh? 
I was going to make a really inappropriate joke, but I decided not to. Why? That's what, this, that's what tonight is about. Kyle yeah. said Soraya's got it in the bag, and I was going to go, no, not anymore for a couple of years. She doesn't keep her bag anymore because, you know, she went to rehab. <laughs> you get it? Oh, <laughs> damn. Here, here. Damn. I right. thought you were going to go the sex tape route. I wasn't even So did I. Too. No. Yeah, damn, that's low hanging fruit. Uh, it was, of course, but see, that I would, I don't yuck yums when it comes to uh, sexual habits, but uh, you know, well, bro, like, yeah, man, sex work is you, work. Man, I gotta the tell only you, problem man. I have with that sex tape is that old ass nineteen seventy camera that they had. Did y'all see that fucking? It was like one of the like it was the oldest <laughs> like fucking camera I've ever seen in my. It wasn't even like that, Lee. It was literally <laughs> like old school nineteen thirties fucking. She's recording camera. it on her flip phone, Razor Motorola. Bro, the, my the flip phone would have been better. Right? The, the flip phone camera would have had better quality than that fucking video camera he had in that. Like I swear to God, it was literally straight out of the sixties or seventies, bro. Like he, you had to go into a dark room to get that film developed. Like you couldn't take that film anywhere. My problem was them degrading the NXT Women's Championship. I would have done oh, the same man. thing. Fuck it. <laughs> we all know you would have. Fuck, if yeah. I would have won a championship, whoever I was fucking, I'd be wearing the belt while fucking him. Like, Fact. Honestly, I mean, like, what's the point is, of being the, the truest fucking uh, statement? We act like we would do anything different. And I'd have it around be... my neck. Anytime I had sex with a girl, I'd have it around my neck. You don't You don't think the world title's been nutted on like a million times? A million times. You put a, a black light to that bitch. Is burning I have eyes, a dude. reproduction IC title, and I've walked around naked with it on. Get real. That's Come on. I'm you know saying, the wrestlers bro. have done it. Yeah. yeah. It's probably the first yeah. thing you fucking do, man. Just like circle jerk on the goddamn title. I'd bust some lines off it's of like it. like marking your territory. <laughs> don't blacklight any of mine. <laughs> I literally oh laid across her back while I'm hitting it from the back, so I could. The just Hasbro the bar lights up with, with like a Christmas time if you turn a black light on. Right. <laughs> oh, no. Now I hear oh. you though about that uh, fucking page sex tape being disappointed. I feel like the only person that looked good in that sex tape was like Xavier Woods. Yeah, he looked amazing. Yeah, man. <laughs> Fuck it. He showed like all of his good sides. Like, man, was oh, he shredded. was hey, He was giving her that long stroke too, bro. It was that was a good. It was a good time. He deserves a world title run. Why we're here? Can we talk about how Xavier Woods has never? No, <laughs> that's that's why they haven't put the belt on him. They wanted to give it to all three New Day members, but they were worried. So they gave him King of the Ring instead because he boned Soraya it's five years ago. Sex tape clip. They just didn't want him to desecrate the title because <laughs> they knew Xavier Woods was the motherfucker that was going to jerk his gherkin on it. Fuck oh yeah. God. Listen, imagine what happened to that King of the Ring crown at some point last year. Not the crown. The scepter. <laughs> oh, the, crown, the scepter. The scepter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh dude. You turned that into a drill, though. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> so Ray is going to win this match, by the way. I just said that. Nah, Ruby so uh, I'm going to say retains. Jamie retains. Yeah. I say the yeah, Britt Baker so. turns happening sooner rather than later. So uh, Hater Hater will retain, yeah. and then the Britt Baker turn will happen, and that'll be the feud that'll either drop it or she'll get close to it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Hater Hater probably retains. Kyle agrees with me. We got to timestamp that too tonight. It's been a night for clips. You know that would work because then they could push. You know the the angle to. To Britt Baker turning slowly throughout the rest of the year. She turns on her towards the end of the year. She wins the title belt, and boom, we're right back in the same spot. St. Patrick's Day next year, Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker, part three. Well, you act like they can't do it this year. I bet no, 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 no. We just say it because it's it's like a 
It's an ongoing thing now that they do their big matches at the St. Patrick's Day edition of Dynamite. Really, what, what I'm TK saying, needs like to do year, is... We still got, we got like two weeks under Rosa. She was just talking about wanting to wrestle again. She can come back. Yeah. TK needs to put the six of us on payroll. I'm just going to say it. We obviously Gosh. can do this for him. Yeah, like, come on. We just talked about delegation, TK. Just put me in charge of the of all the black people. No, because like all my favorite black people will be taken off TV. Then, RN, are you kind of seeing Ruby Ruby Soho's destination is most certainly known on her back, looking up at the lights on a Sunday night? Wow. Okay. 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 The queen sound. That's a segue. Uh huh. (laughs) Justin doesn't need to go to the depths to to get a good soundbite. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. He's looking at the roof of the arena, and it hurts. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, we have the trios championship, the elite against the House of Black. I don't know if there's any fucking story to this. It'll be a great over, match. Been over like two weeks. But <laughs> like, I thought I thought the House of Black was feuding with like Miro. What happened to that? Miro got taken off TV again. For what? <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> the last thing that came out was like they pitched him something and he turned it down. Yeah, I thought it was the House of Black stuff that he was doing and was no, like, it was something else. That. What that was, was the last it? Time we saw Miro on TV was all out last year. Yeah, because they they mentioned it. I just can't remember what the hell it was. Yeah, we covered was, it on the show. We talked about it one week, and I can't remember why. But he did. He turned it down and said he'd rather go home and get a paycheck for doing nothing than to be part of a bullshit story. He didn't say bullshit story, but that was the gist of what he said. Right. Yeah, that's gonna piss me off because now I can't think of it. Well, this is gonna be match of the night, but I mean, it's just another fucking throwaway. Fucking, we have to have a match on pay per view, so. Here it is, but it's going to be the match of the night. I think the House of Black is going to win finally, I guess. I mean, I fucking hope so, dude. They looked awesome with those belts. Those belts looked way better in that short vignette with them than it does on the fucking Elite. Agreed. Uh, I'm going to say House of Black wins. That way, Kenny Omega can kind of do whatever he wants and puts Talon over for the rest of the year before he inevitably does not re-sign with AEW. Come on, home. You think there's smoke to to that fire? I, I do, I do, because of what he said. He said in an interview in this past week that he just feels like that there's there's more that he can do. And I said to Lee, we were we were hanging out last night, and I said that I think that AEW has completely killed all the momentum Kenny Omega had coming out of New Japan. Um, even when he was world champion, they were treating him like a comedy character for most of his appearances. It just it wasn't even like I get that the the Bullet Club does like jokes and shit, and they're like kind of DX-ish to an extent, but, like, it was even a little corny for me for Bullet Club. Like, I I just think that Kenny Omega has spun his wheels the entire time he's been in AEW. I'm not... I'm a a Kenny Omega fan. So am I. I, I, I've said it, but I've said it a thousand times, and I say it on Botch Spots and Chair Shots. No free shout-outs. Go check me out. Twitch.com. But, uh... I don't like anime DX and it's funny that you liken them to a comedy DX because that's what I call them over there on the show. I say that's all they're doing. They're like, if DX was in Japan yeah, and was in an anime, that's what the Young Bucks are. And I don't don't think it's on them either because they weren't this bad before. That's their fan base though. But they weren't really that good back then either. Like all a bunch of weebs anyways. I would say the Young Bucks weren't that good back then when it came to like the the promo shit and everything, but like Kenny was. I don't think any of them. I I love all of them. Kenny Omega's 
my top five favorite wrestler of all time. Like legit. Like I don't think he's ever been mm-hmm. good at on the mic. Less is more has always been with him. And even with the young books, like they're funnier in the being being the elite shit when they're kind of being themselves and they actually are on the fucking mic. But like I totally believe this is Kenny Omega's farewell tour. Like I think he saw what WWD and specifically Vince, who we all th- said doesn't know how to do these new guys, won't know how to fucking package. I think he saw how they laid out the red carpet for Cody and the potential that's there for Co- that Cody has now. Like, I think that he sees that. And like you said, he wants more. And he, I think all of these guys are really coming to the realization of what AEW really is. It's a glorified, glorified Indies. It's not really a number two promotion. Like it's just a promotion. Like at the end of the day, no matter what we say about it, or what, even before Triple H took over, like the E is the final destination. You're not a real star in wrestling until you make it at the E. And I think that that's what Kenny's coming to realization. There's not much more he can do there. Well, I yeah, think, Alex, I I think we'll see Kenny Omega in WWE by WrestleMania next year. Facts, Alex. Well, you know I have said this a million times. In my opinion. You have not made it in professional wrestling unless you've made it to WWE. Facts. I've said that I a say million that. times. I say that, it too. That is stone cold fucking truth in my eyes. You have not made it in professional wrestling unless you've made it to WWE. They are the king of the crop. They are they are they are the macho man. They are the top company. They're where everybody wants to be. When I was a kid, it wasn't I wanna go wrestle at Impact Wrestling. I wanna go to AEW. I wanna wrestle in New Japan. No. Everyone fucking said they wanted to wrestle in WWF slash WWE. And to this day, that's still what you get. You know why? I think he said, he said, there's more in wrestling to do. The only thing this man hasn't done is be the highest paid wrestler in the world and have a WrestleMania moment. And he has to go to WWE to do them both. And he's gone on record before saying that he wants a WrestleMania moment before he retires. Well, before the the only reason why he didn't go to WWE was because of them creating AEW. Like if that, if AEW hadn't turned into like Tony actually throwing his money behind it, like, he was already in the bag. Like right. Triple H just said that. Like he was, all, he was, he was in the bag. Ready, he was basically ready to sign a contract, and that was the reason yeah. that he was the last EVP that was signed to the company. But Lee, I want to touch on something you said a minute ago. There are a few exceptions of people I believe that have made it in the wrestling business before they went to WWE. Really only two, maybe three big people that I would count. Um, Ric Flair before he made his WWE debut, Sting, and AJ Styles. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a given. You can be a big name in, in the other companies and everything. But well, I'm I'd talking modern day. It, I, like, oh, I yeah, agree with what day, you're absolutely. saying, Alex. Like, yeah, because WCW was an actual 1A, 1B. I, that's yeah. not what I'm saying. I'm talking yeah. about in modern wrestling since right now. there has yeah. been no eights, and there's no WCW or anything where WWE was the only ball game in fucking town. The, so let's say, what, 2002, three? Like, if yeah, you don't right. make it to the E, you don't you're not a you're not a you're not a real star in wrestling and because any because think about it right now any mid carter from fucking wwe can go to one of these promotions and be the biggest fucking star there that's my thing when people bring up how big AEW is and all like like yeah okay i get it they're dope they are technically the number two promotion in the world but it's not the fucking same you cannot take if you take a mid card or a high upper mid card guy from wwe He's world champion fucking material in AEW. Mox, Jericho, just kidding. That's all I need to say. Like, but if yeah. you take a mid Carter from fucking AEW, that motherfucker is going to be on what's NXT show they got 
that comes on the network that nobody watches, stand up or whatever. That's where that motherfucker will be. I I would say, again, still, though, if we're counting 2002, 2003 forward, I I still think the one exception to that is AJ Styles, even if he hadn't made a debut in WWE. No, I I don't agree with that at all because no one didn't know who the fuck AJ Styles was until he came out. No one did. Like, like, millions, no, 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 millions of people knew who he was before he showed up at the Royal You're right, but bro, he was the hottest act in all of wrestling outside of WWE before he signed. Yeah, but what what do you classify as making it though? Are you guys talking about? Exposure or money? People were if people were because AJ Styles got both. AJ Styles got way more exposure and way more money. I was gonna say, but before he made it to WWE, people were already calling him the modern day Shawn Michaels with how he wrestled in the ring. That is not a that is not a term that was coined after he signed. But you're coming at it from a Mark's view. I'm coming at it. I'm not. Yes, that is a Mark's. We're all here. We're all Marks here. Like, yes, we all knew who AJ Styles was. Yes, he was a fucking dog. Yes, he had made a name for himself, but uh, to a casual fucking person that only watches wrestling on Royal Rumble night and May and WrestleMania weekend, nobody fucking knew who AJ Styles. You was. can't tell me that with the ovation that he got the moment he came out at the Royal Rumble. But that was in a that was in a wrestling town where yeah, the fucking marks were there, and it was that was a mark smart crowd, and they knew who the fuck he was. I'm saying, uh, I guarantee you, if you po- polled fucking anybody from that year. Who watched those shows? They did not know who he was if they were not an avid wrestler fan. Yes, we all know everyone here. Yes, he was probably the best wrestler in the world, not in any of those promotions. Regardless, though, when he was at his main run, when he fucking left TNA and was in fucking New Japan and all that, like nobody on this panel will fucking disagree with that. But to the average non fucking watching wrestling fan that only watches for the big shows, no one knew who the fuck he was till he came out. On f- at fucking Royal Rumble, and that's a fucking fact. I don't, there's anybody that argued like, I, bro, you're you're marking it up, man. It, you, Marky marking hey, the boys, bro. I'm sorry, like nobody knew take, who the fuck take, AJ Styles. I, I respectfully fans. disagree, but I also respect your opinion, so I'm, well, I'm not gonna well, argue. Guys, just, I had to go to the bathroom. I was gone for like 35 seconds, and I come back, and Aaron's cussing Alex out. What the fuck? I'm not. Oh no, no, no. This is all about Marky Mark. Alex is inflating. Alex is adding value to the custom, like the the type of fan and who they consider big, and disregarding just sheer numbers alone. Because if you take, if you take, no, I just said that. I still understand what Aaron is saying. I was just saying I think there are a few exceptions to be. Well, then what do you consider being? What do you consider making it? Like, what's your what's your parameters of you've made it? Do you mean you got the respect of your fan base? I would say respect. I would say respect of your peers. I would say respect of uh, a fan base outside of WWE and within WWE. And because there's plenty of people that were casual WWE fans that I believe turned over the page to TNA at certain points when they were at their height because of, and this is where what RN said makes sense because it was that crossover of WWE guys working with them in TNA. I think you, I think it's a little bit of both. I yeah, think no, I'm have, not, I'm not disagreeing so with you respect in I'm, numbers though. I'm just trying to get this straight. Yeah. So res- respect in numbers. Yeah, no, because, I think I was coming at it more from a from a respect angle because I right, and I'm not disagreeing with yeah. you. Like I totally number, agree numbers with and what money. You're yeah, yeah, I'm talking about numbers with, and money. Yeah, I'm with AJ Kai Styles. What I'm wasn't even about. close to making it until he that got I can WWE. that I can agree with. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like I agree with you're right. Like I'm not saying your your opinion's wrong. Yes, in wrestling circles and people that watch wrestling, yes, we all knew and love fucking AJ Styles. But I'm saying he didn't become who he is now and like where he's on fucking TV shows and people knowing who he is until he came to the WWE. I mean, fuck dude. We didn't even have SmackDown till him. Like we had to wait for him to show up and build it. Like, like yeah. I can, I, 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 I respect where you're coming from, man. 
Well, I, that's guys, all I'm saying is the money. The money I'm and the real numbers. That. So I, I, I guess that. I wasn't I wasn't going at it from a money standpoint. So I that I think that's where my disconnect was, and I apologize. But if like, you look I, at it from a money perspective, that means the Phantom Menace was a good movie. It was. That's why I said, what's your definition of making it? Because I feel Phantom like that's, why, that's where movie. everybody can argue in I circles. thought the pod racing was dope. Pod Facts. racing was dope, actually. Man, they yeah, spun video games off of that shit. So, like, look, my my idea was is the fact that I view it as you have not made it in pro wrestling unless you made it to WWE. They are the NBA. They are the NFL. They right. are the money, the MLB money numbers. Because I'm sure there are guys in AEW right now making fucking buco bucks. So I mean, oh, if it's, I, if it's, a, if it's sure high the highest contract in AEW is two point three million dollars a year. That's right. fucking dope, bro. The, the highest hell? contract in WWE is eight point two million dollars a year. Yeah, but if you're a pro wrestler, like working for handshakes and hot dogs, hearing that you can have a contract two million dollars, pretty sure you've I've made it. Yeah, like, they've got I've, five people that make that money though. Right, so, like, out of a hundred twenty-five person is, roster, WWE is the top dog. They are the NBA. They are the NFL. You well, know, that was never ones, a question. Yeah, you know they are the ones that have WrestleMania, which is the Super Bowl, the NBA Finals, the World yeah. Series of, of the of the sports. AEW, Impact, New Japan, all of that in my eyes. That that's oh God, I'm gonna take a lot of shit for this. I was gonna say I think Wrestle Kingdom's the closest you get, and it's not even close at that point. Yeah. Exactly. That my the the point minor I was, Yeah, the they are, they are, I be, I say that on our show every day that that all of these places are mine. Like my the thing ratings is like, prove it otherwise. They're the minor. I, I I was agreeing with that. I wasn't coming at it from the shows. It was coming WWE is the major talent. Yeah, no, I like like I said, I don't disagree with what you're saying at all, Alex. Like you're Absolutely 100% right as far as the respect and prestige as it goes within the wrestling community. What I'm saying is outside of the rest, that's to me, that's how you gauge a star in wrestling. Like, who knows you from so a motherfucker? You're going from like a, a pop culture standpoint. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like, who okay. knows you outside of people that watch every fucking show that watch Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Okay. Yeah. Who no, knows no, you I, I, I did this. You. I did see what I'm saying? That. Yes. That, that's, that's what I was. That's where I'm but, getting at, and where I think that's what Kenny Omega is seeing. I think he's seeing it now with Cody being on all these fucking shows and them showing him pristine with these fucking suits on 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 TV channels that right. don't carry wrestling. I think that, Kenny Omega sees that and wants that. And that goes back to what I told you guys earlier before we even got on. How I told you there's people at my job that I didn't even know watch wrestling that do the the fucking something something Cody exactly Rhodes shit. So right. no 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 no. I get it. If we're coming from a pop culture standpoint, yeah, that, that's you're absolutely to me right. like to me that's that's my gauge on making it when people that don't watch what we do and love know you. Like you I, know, what I'm I saying? thought you meant just specifically when. You guys, I thought you were talking about from the WWE specifically. No, no, I'm, that's I meant, where like, I got confused. But to me, the WWE that, is the uh, jumping off point to that. Like you yeah. can't get there without the WWE. That's fair. That that's my that's what I, what my main argument was. Like you can be the big fish and all you want, fucking AEW. Like no one outside, no one that watches the Today Show is gonna know who you are until you go to fucking WWE and you're on one of those shows plugging a fucking pay per view. That's that's, that's what no I'm one saying. on AEW is getting booked for Jimmy Fallon. That yeah, right. like all the yeah. late night talk. See what I'm saying? Shit, right? yep. that's, and you're only getting that with the E. You're only getting that with the E. That's Besides right. the money and the exposure and all that, do you guys think it could also contribute that the large portion of his fan base love him because of his like high octane, rough, like you know, hard style of wrestling? And we he's talking Kenny, or are we still talking Kenny? Kenny. Yeah. And you think you know you think he's approaching forty, and he realizes like, okay, 
AEW's niche is this um, essentially very taxing style of wrestling, whereas which, you know, might shorten my career. Whereas if I do go to WWE, we see that they are focused on storytelling and characters, which AEW lacks on. And if Kenny can like, you know, go down that road, that might be a healthier option for him just from a longevity standpoint. Like, you know, I'm sure, honestly, I bet we're making a bigger deal out of like making it in pro wrestling compared to like how he probably feels. I'm sure that guy's like secure with what he's accomplished in pro wrestling. For sure. It might just be for the standpoint that if he wants to keep doing this thing, he might have to transition to a company that sells in this safer style of wrestling. And that's the, like, I'm in company and all that. And let's be honest, yeah. like Kenny's character, like he's a good looking guy. He can actually talk like he's engaging. Like if you see him, you want to know more about him. So where's the place where he could get, be exposed to a broader audience that doesn't know him, that can get to know him where he can make some real fucking money. Like it's WWE. Like I said, like you said, you're not getting on Fallon on AEW. You're not getting on the, the today show. Good morning, America. All these fucking shows on TVs, on TV channels that don't carry wrestling. The only way you get there is if you go to WWE. And that's just, that's, that's it. There's no other way to say it. There's no other way to explain it. That's just it. That I can agree with. And it's funny that we got to that point from me literally agreeing with you at the beginning. (laughs) And and to spin off of what Aaron said right there, when it comes to, to Kenny Omega, what was his childhood dream? Going to WWE. There you go. Like that. At, at that age, he's you know, I'm I'm 38. The dream. Yes, it's here. WWE. Like that was. So I had he, this. He, I had the same like, argument with Kevin Kevin Owens when he became a free agent. And everybody was saying he was going to AEW. I'm like, no, he's not. Like yeah. he said numerous times before he even got here that his dream was to be a WWE superstar, and now he's here. He's at the top of the card almost all the time. In the company that he always dreamed about getting to, that he never thought he was going to get to, why the fuck would he take a step down? And he's about to main event one of WrestleMania for the second year in a row. Exactly, that's what I said. Like I knew I said that on our shows numerous times. Like that motherfucker ain't going to AEW. No, yeah, not at no. all. No. With that being said, I think uh, House of Black wins with like. <laughs> I think we all call that. Night. Yeah. 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 I'm going House of Black. Yep. House I of think- Black for sure. Yeah, I know House of Black better get a black person in it, <laughs> bro. They went for everything we just went through. They better fucking win. <laughs> I think it's the first time we all agreed on a match. I think I think so on this one. Yeah, it's just I think it's I to to coin the authority 2013, 2014, I think it's best for business. Yeah, and now we're coming up on a match that I'm about to say again. I hope this is the last time we see this match. <laughs> It has a stipulation that's a Texas death match. I mean, we're in Texas, so can't be just a regular hardcore match or a no DQ match. We gotta well, no, because this spice this it up. We gotta spice it up for the the state of Texas. We have Hangman Adam Page taking on Sir Bleeds a Lot John Moxley. Do you think he's gonna bleed in this match? Oh come on! Fuck yeah! No. What if what if that's the fucking big kicker? Like, this is the one match Mox doesn't believe. I'd pop so fucking hard if that happened. <laughs> I'd go streaking outside. Moxley fucking bumps into people backstage and fucking bleeds. Like, Dude, did you notice it, it, that on Dynamite, um, that promo that Moxley cut, uh, 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 that he uh, he has finally achieved it? 
Mox now even bleeds on shows he's not on. <laughs> well, it's true. Dude, he's going to Goldberg himself, and he's just going to bleed by hitting a door. Uh, he's gonna come, he, no, I'm this is whenever he nicks an artery. Like he's oh, gonna play it's during gonna his be entrance. A, it's he's literally gonna, gonna be... hit an artery at some point. Dude. He's when gonna he walk he... down the steps and just. <laughs> it's literally gonna be a replay of the mass transit incident. Yeah. <laughs> you guys remember uh, Abdullah the Butcher's with his gig lines? Yeah. Yeah. You know oh, what I'm that's like one of the motherfucker like, could stick potato chips in his head. Yeah, the the quarter of the nickel or whatever, you know, where yeah. they jokingly say they'd see if they could still see George Washington's head. And That's the, the same direction. thing that Devon Dudley's got going on. Yeah, yeah, this is exactly what Mox is heading for. Um, I I said th- the other night how fucking ironic it is that a dirt sheet writer is bitching about a wrestler exposing the business because he cared so little about getting caught blading on camera that he he was just fucking hacking at it while he's sitting there and didn't even care you and know I, and I, directly to the forehead yeah like and i just i was like you got to see the irony there that if that was in 1980 like the boys in the back would have literally beat the shit out of him for that and yeah. i'm not saying that wrestling hasn't evolved because it most definitely has but like come on dude you're one of the biggest stars in your company and you just don't care anymore. All you want to do is, you know, go out there, make big loud bangs, and you know, Bleed. blade. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of the Sandman in ECW. If you watched any of his matches during his time in ECW before he went to WCW, then went back to ECW. Watch any of his matches on TV. You can literally hear him calling out spots so bad that in a shoot interview, he was talking about it. And he, like, Paul Heyman was like, Hey, can you shut the fuck up during your match? And he goes, What? <laughs> Hell no, it's fucking fake. I mean, he's got a deep, raspy voice. That man can't fucking whisper to save his life. All yeah. right. So the if same you way I felt about Cena calling matches in the ring, too. Yeah, if but you... Cena calls matches from the fucking entry ramp. Lock up, shoot, give me three, come out, hip toss. Like, God, fuck, he yells at as he's walking down to the ring. <laughs> well, that's because you can't see him. <laughs> that's true. That's, Everybody's, fair. that's fair. It's like well, a fucking you ventriloquist. Can fucking hear him. You can fucking yeah. hear him. <laughs> but yeah, no, it reminds me of the Sandman, because like the Sandman was so loud about it. You could just blatantly on TV, and this is back in old two project, projection TVs, you, you can see the mouth moving. You can hear him. And he's going, ah, 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 ah. you know, he's drunk. So some of it's a little mumbly, but, <laughs> you know. You remember when he used to carry a surfboard and he had the the Oakleys on and he was like surfer Sandman? Oh, like in 93, ECW? 94, yeah. yeah Eastern, like Championship Eastern Championship Wrestling, Wrestling ECW. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had that fucking surfer gimmick like, like he was Johnny Ace. All I'm gonna say is they had something. They had something good with the initial version of Moxley in the back at the Blackpool Combat Club when Regal right. was still around. Like it, it made him like it gave him an, a different edge than we had seen before. I was I was almost interested in this kind of uh, tweener, almost heel character that he's got going on. But like the fucking the blading every match, just I I can't do it. It's taken any sort of interest I've had in him completely away. Yeah, like I I've been a staunch fucking hater of this dude since he's been there and like 
he had finally fucking turned me around even before he got with the Blackpool. But like that was kind of what like submitted like, all right, I actually like this guy now. Like, I think I can believe this version. And then soon as he went to the blade and shit, like bleeding every match and shit, like some of the matches, like it'd be like a fucking like a knife edge chop. And then like his forehead's bleeding. He's like, 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 you know what I'm saying? It was just like, like ridiculous (laughs) on a fucking Wednesday night at eight 30, like nothing going on. Normal match jobber. You mean right. to tell me this dude beat your ass so bad he split you open the first five seconds of the match? With Renee the fucking, rolls uh, over to give him a kiss. Good night, babe. Yeah, babe. <laughs> like bro, like like I, he's back to being just like too fucking over the top, and I think like, I think he feels himself too much, and like there's nobody to reel this fucking idiot in. No, and, and like he he finally got me right around when he had came back from his stint in rehab. Right, he did that excellent promo in the ring on the dynamite that he came back because it showed like different layers to his character and that he could actually speak to the fans instead of just yelling, This is pro wrestling. And then we just went back to the same old mock shit. Right. Honestly, I hope Hangman Adam Page beats his ass. This match does nothing for me, to be honest with you. I think while Hangman Page can put on good matches, he's boring as fuck. He is. With that being said, do you see a Hangman Page heel turn coming out of this match? I hope so. One of them has to. They're both in purgatory right now. Something has to happen because this is my bathroom break. So instead of sad cowboy and drunk cowboy, we're going to get mad cowboy. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Better than whatever the fuck they're going to do. I don't know. I I don't know why, but for some reason, I, I have a soft spot for Hangman Adam Page. And I think for me, it was because of how they positioned him during the inception of AEW because it kind of gave me the vibes to the way that AJ Styles came up, not to bring him up again, but the way that he came up in early TNA where he went from like, you know, being this like rookie that no one really gave about to slowly becoming the big star. And it looked like he was on that projection for a while and the crowd was behind it and they've just fucking murdered it. And they, they murdered they, it. They murdered it the moment he won the world title and they took him off of TV for like six weeks. Well, the first part was they, they title. gave him the world title fucking six, seven months before, after they should have like, right. like they dropped the ball on that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he should have got the world title way before he finally got, it. I think his momentum and shit and like his crowd swell like was dead by the time he got the title. I think he was dead in the water. And then, like you said, then on top of it, they take him off TV for what? Wasn't it like three or four weeks? He wasn't even on TV immediately yeah. after winning the title, right? And barely defended it. That sucks. He... That's not his fault either, right? No, that that was straight up fucking booking. But n- neither, neither, no one in this match. I don't care. No, it's it's a match between two people who have had shit booking. Is it possible for a deathmatch to go to a no contest? Yeah, if they both die. I what think because um, isn't there was a big isn't rule in the deathmatch uh, that the text someone just jump like, off a bed double or count out, or it's like it can be like a last man standing finish. All right, turn that volume down. And get in bed, okay? Yeah. All right. Okay, Dad. Hurry! <laughs> I didn't mean to. You no, know, I think there can be a like a fuck, no contest. Fuck! Was I not muted? No, 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 no. no, you. Oh, you were, I was trying to mute him. My bad, y'all. You were not. That's, That's why okay. I called you dad. We yeah. answered you. No, this this match does nothing for me. Like I, this match has already happened multiple fucking times. I don't care anymore. It's just like three other matches on the card. We've already seen it, and we've don't need to see it again. 
end your goddamn feud, move on, wrestle other people. Dan Housen needs something to do. Go hook up with him. Where's Hook? Bro, go go bro, with Hook. Honestly, the better way to handle this storyline, because this, this match happened when the two were both completely not riding the lines of tweener the initial match. They were both baby faces over with the crowd, and it happened because of an accident that happened in the match. They could have done a respect angle and made this more of a tag team thing, and I would have had way more... I, I would have had way more hope, and I would have been tuned into it more than this. That might be still where it's going. I have no interest in it at this point. All right, well. Still <laughs> might be where it's going. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. I didn't mean that to so come like, off Is the Blackpool Combat Club like not a thing anymore? I, like? I was just about to say, like the Blackpool Combat Club is like non-existent. I was gonna say it definitely seems like Brian Danielson's last. I think they all have like just like this, like they all just have like a tattoo that they look at at it's... occasion, and they're like, oh, yeah. yeah, I was. They're, they're the Blackpool like, Combat Club is just Claudio and Wheeler Yuta teaming together now. They have William Regal's not chat. here anymore, so fuck it. <laughs> they have a group chat, like someone just shares like a TikTok video in about once a week. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's Brian Danielson, and it's just houses made out of mud. No, it's uh, it's William Regal sitting in gorilla next to Triple H. That was one of my favorite pictures, though. Was when I I saw that, and I was like, yes, them like them sitting at gorilla, and then looking back at old pictures of Vincent Monsoon at gorilla, yeah. like like it was such a cool like homage to see the different evolutions of that position. Right. I'm not giving a prediction for this match. I don't care enough to be honest. I'm going Hangman Page. Hang, Hangman. Nah, he's Mox, dude. Mox gonna win this shit. I think this is where Hangman catches the dub. All right. Well, uh, looks like uh, Hangman gets the uh, dub on this one for for our group here. We come up to the main event: a sixty-man. Yeah, sixty-man. Holy shit! (laughs) Oh God! A lot of men. World War Three. WCW apparently. Three rings. Is That's Cody Rhodes' going. sister Lana Rhodes involved in this? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, anyway, uh, sixty-minute Iron Man match between your champion MJF taking on Brian Danielson. Do you think both men can go the full sixty minutes, or do you think we're going to get some gap and gap time in in this match? I, I think- know Brian Danielson can. We're go- looking at a lot of chin locks and a lot of stalling in this match. I think from MJF. Well, it's a, it's a, dude. No one, no one goes like high octane for an hour, anyways. Yeah. That's how all Iron Man matches are. Unless you're Shawn Michaels and John Cena. Oh, I think this is going to be MJF's coming out party. Honestly, like I just had, I, I feel like just how they've been building everything up. Him being a chicken shit. Him running from him. Him. Making the fucking the AEW's favorite. You got to wrestle nine niggas we never heard of before you get to me. Stop. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just feel like we're gonna get some shit, some real wrestling and some real like balls to the wall MJF shit we never seen before to kind of prop him up as their guy. And I think, I think this is when we kind of, I, I think we already like gave him his crown and shit. But I think like this is where he really shows that this is our king. You know what I'm saying? Like. I think this is going to be the, the match that we finally give him his props all around for and not just talking about how much he talks where we can finally say like, no, this motherfucker can wrestle. And he wrestled, did it for 60 minutes versus Brian Danielson, arguably the best wrestler in the world in ring. So that I, I, I hope that that's always been my feeling with this, like how they've done everything, how they've kind of kept them apart. And I think that that's what we're going to get. And I, I hope that's what we can get so we can finally get off this 
MJF can't wrestle shit because like I've never been on that train. Like I think he can wrestle. I just think that when you only wrestle nine fucking matches a, a year, you're gonna be a little fucking rusty when you have to do a match for fucking thirty minutes more on a pay per view. So that that's what I'm hoping for for this, and I, I think MJF is definitely gonna win this. I want that, and I agree with you. My only issue is with the booking in it is that almost every single time that we think we're finally getting that MJF moment, they just it never send him. It never <laughs> happens, and they they send him right back to being the chicken shit heel. They they could have done an excellent double turn with him and Punk a while ago. Yeah, that could have been the his that could have been the turning point in his career. Not that he's had a bad career, but like the the moment that brings you from here to here. And it's just like every time MJF is like we're right here, they do something just to bring him right, right down a little bit. So I'd I'd love to see that. I hope you're right. I just I worry. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I'm not confident in that in my me my pick and like what I want to happen. Like I'm literally probably 99 the other way that it's not going to happen. But like in a perfect world, like I think like if you're we're going to keep propping him up and making him be the man. Like, eventually, you got to fucking give him something. And, like, Agreed. this is the perfect opportunity. Like I said, a 60-minute iron match versus arguably the greatest, the best wrestler of this era, honestly, like, in-ring, like, not overall, but, like, in-ring, Brian Danielson is up there his entire fucking career. So, like, what better way to really fucking cement MJF as the top fucking star, especially with Roman about to leave, like, what better way to do that to kick that off and to kick off the su- this summer than fucking having him wrestle and maybe even out-wrestle Brian Danielson in a fucking 60-minute Ironman match? I, I yeah. would I would personally love to see that. No matter which way it goes, I'm going with MJF winning. Right. Well, that's that's exactly why everything RN says, like, is is exactly what should happen. If, if you're doing this story, the bidding war of 24, you build MJF up this huge story uh, for one, make him the biggest star of your company and then tease whether or not he's going to leave and then hold the hostage title. Yeah. Right. I mean the, 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 excuse me, the, the title hostage. Um, it wouldn't if, surprise if you can, if you can pull the trigger on all of the story beats to make it there, honestly, what has potential to be AEW's um, biggest actual wrestling story in, in years outside of like hangman page chasing down Kenny Omega. Right. Like that, that would be, that would be a huge story is, and, and this would finally be able to shed if, if they do it. Yeah. If they do it, shed that chicken shit heel. And now what you do is you get, you get AEW's elite, not, not like necessarily like the young bucks and Kenny, but like just the top tier AEW guys just gunning for him to get that belt off of him before he tries to in story, like take And it and you also possibly get some WWE crossover fans at that point too, because if they start hearing that, Oh, this world champion from another company might be coming over. I should probably tune in to show to see what he's going to be like coming over. That, that also raises the possibility of WWE fans strictly coming over to watch AEW too. I didn't even think of that, Alex. That's pretty dope. And I think MJF wins. This will be the chance for Daniel or Brian Danielson to, uh, He's the one guy in that company now that Punk's gone and him and Punk had the dog collar match. And now it's like he can wrestle against uh, Brian Danielson and get over in a good wrestling match. He's going to go to the G1, Danielson is. So we know he's going to put MJF over big here. 
because this summer he's going to spend a month in Japan competing in the G1 for the first time. I'm uh, so, so excited for that, by the yeah. way. So I'm shooting my shot here. Uh, TK said something in the media call about the um, the length of time they have in the pay-per-view. Um, so I'm going to shoot my shot and say this goes to overtime. Uh, TK says they he said his words were they have more than enough time for the main event. Why would you need more than enough time for a 60-minute match? We know exactly how much time you yeah. need. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, like, to me, I said, I for him to have bought extra time, and I know nothing's perfect, everything's going to run over, but when you have a 60-minute match, you're not going to be more than a few minutes off. So for him to be like, I bought extra time for this, says to me, they're going to push this to the limit. It's going to be an absolute classic banger of a match. MJF will go over. There might be some kind of a turn involved, and it'll take, you know, stoppage time to make it happen. Well, yeah, that also uh, MJF's uh, ex-fiance. She'll oh. come out and she'll she'll turn heel and rejoin MJF. Well, that also that also right. helps with the issue that WWE has ran into with the past with longer Iron Man matches too, in the sense that that allows the rest of the card a little more time to breathe too. If he bought all this extra time, you exactly. don't have to. We don't have to worry about all these matches running extremely short because we know we have a sixty minute Iron Man match going on. So um, him buying more time on the pay per view, excellent business move. It's going to be interesting uh, being on that media call and hearing that. With Will, I was actually texting Will during it, and uh, yeah, I made the joke about passing notes back and forth. I was like, "We'll be the the two like delinquents in the back of the class passing notes." Yeah, so I was just, I was just sitting there taking it in. I was like, I the first thing I thought of was, "Why do you need more? Like, what do you mean you need enough time?" Because someone asked about the match and also brought up the fact that like AEW pay per views tend to run longer. So, you know, Tony Khan brought that up and it was just like, huh. So I'm expecting no one's going to pin anyone. No one's going to tap out. We go into overtime where the first pin or submission wins. A one MJF, fall will be it. Yeah. Yeah. MJF pulls it out of the hat somehow. That That's that's my prediction on that match. I just I feel you, brother. It doesn't. We're all, uh, we're all MJF on this. Yeah, it doesn't feel like, you know, it's Danielson's time. It's not time for the world title to change hands yet. That's for sure. And and MJF being like a heel, I can see him winning in like a very heelish way where he pulls the victory out and everyone all boos and wah, 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 and acts like crybaby piss pants. I knew he was going to fucking say it. It was only a matter (laughs) of time. (laughs) Yo, we're not going without a show without me getting that in there. (laughs) <laughs> so we have an inside joke with uh crybaby piss pants <laughs> so it's... oh i picked up on that yeah yeah i was able i was like oh that's his phrase as just like us yeah. with hashtag push gulag yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that <laughs> we don't yuck any yums i say it every episode <laughs> yeah. Everybody's got their calling card. <laughs> so guys overall what do you if you have to give this pay-per-view a grade, what are you grading it? A to, a to F, A obviously being, hey, congratulations. Are we basing it on the build? Before it's turned in? Yeah, we're grading the assignment before it's turned in. Are we basing <laughs> it on, on the, the storyline build or how well we think the matches will be? Yeah. I think it'll be a solid B. I mean, because, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, 
the one thing that these fuckers always have going for them is like the matches are for the most part always good to fucking great. I mean, even though like the storylines and sometimes the finishes are fucking ass and kind of ruins with the actual overall match quality. But I think for especially if we get what we hope we're getting out of MJF, I think it'll be a solid B. I'm gonna go with B B plus. Um great with RN. AEW Dynamite, like their TV booking might be absolute shit, but the pay-per-views always end up being good in the end. Yeah. I there's not really with the exception of that exploding barbed wire death match or whatever you want to call it. And you can't you even blame that, that on any of the performers. No, no, is, and I never yeah. blamed that on the performers. I just yeah, it was uh, an overall looking at the company as a whole. It is part of the night. show at the end, anyways. Right. It yeah. Is. yeah. So aside from that pay per view, I've never, I've never left watching an AEW pay per view disappointed like I have with really shitty WWE pay per views in the past. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I'm gonna give it like a B B plus. It has the potential to be an A or an A plus too, depending yeah, on how they depending on how they how they go the night with it. I'm gonna give them an E for effort, and then I'll shit on them Sunday night when it's over. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks for the honesty. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm sure it'll be great. Tony Khan, call me. I want to come back. But like, if you're gonna make these pay per views that good, try working on your TV product. Yeah, for me, I, maybe it's just the build that's kind of soured me. For me, like, since the beginning of the year, AEW just really hasn't been clicking the way that it has, you know, since the inception. I'm thinking C right now, and that could change, obviously, after the show this Sunday, but I just, I just I'm thinking very middle-of-the-road show right now. Hey, who knows? There might be a random debut that might get us all excited. Right. I'm, I'm waiting. It's not, like, really fucking weird to anybody else. We're already talking about how good this show is, like, well, I'm not fucking surreal. Okay, come on. I no, like this is fucking weird. We're all like, I'm gonna give it a B, you know, because the storytelling's bad. It's like, bitch, it ain't even happened yet, and I'm not even trying to say it's gonna be an A. I'm saying, like, what do you mean you're gonna give it a C, and that might change? Of course, it might change. The shit ain't even happened. <laughs> this is fucking weird. That was the joke of me giving it an E for effort, then yeah. shitting on it yeah. afterwards. <laughs> that, that was my joke, oh, Kyle. Dude. Thank you. That was my joke. This Kyle, is thanks. the weirdest goddamn wrestling well, segment for I've ever the, been a part of. Thanks well, for going to segment, Captain Obvious. Uh, somebody didn't clue him in on the storyline. Uh, oh, yeah, apparently someone did. Someone didn't understand the satire in all of this. Thank you. No. <laughs> this is Kyle's, actually Kyle's, this is uh, all a work. None of yeah. this has been real. Kyle's, Kyle's a casual fan. <laughs> yeah. Kyle's not a bark. He's a casual I, fan. I, I He's was part of that about, key I was thinking demo. about trying to watch wrestling uh, like uh, next month. I heard WrestleMania's coming out. I think that's what I'm going to start watching it. But, but That's yeah. pretty much what I'm doing. Yeah. Kyle's like <laughs> fucking Drax of, of our show. Like He doesn't take like sarcasm or joking like... He doesn't know how to get it. You just got to kind of ease him into it. And I have. Oh, so he's it. the Bret Hart of our show tonight. <laughs> you guys, oh. you, has everybody seen The Big Bang Theory? Yes. It's yeah. like when Sheldon Cooper asks, sarcasm? Yes. Yes, yes Kyle, we're <laughs> being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking uh, weird ass segment, man. You're welcome. You're welcome. I was like, what's happening right now? You're welcome. I'm going to give it, with that said, I'm going to give it a B plus. <laughs> <laughs> and he's back. And, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. <laughs>
This I is hate a, it. This is a great episode. I hate Dude, it here. This, this is uh, I wish Tony Khan had booked like twelve matches for this show. Now you know what I mean. Like, let's keep going. Let's let's fantasy book what's happening to Dynamite after Revolution. Now you know, like, well, we now we we'll just flip we'll, over to the rewind, and you yeah. guys just stay on. We'll just, <laughs> yeah, we'll, just uh-huh. we'll end this, and I'll just start recording the rewind, and we'll just keep the show rolling. Fuck we just didn't talk it. about wrestling. We can just we'll talk pre-record about pre-record well, we our do. reactions. It'll yeah. be like Kyle, put a stop here. Yeah, wasn't that crazy when he did <laughs> with the tables? We can, and uh, then Jungle Boy, like, <laughs> we'll just edit stuff later. We'll edit it all in. Yeah, it's like no, we can we can just do the rewind, <laughs> and what we'll do is we'll do like a, a reaction and review video for a homie hopper that I sent y'all in the group chat. Okay. That's what we can do. We'll just you guys want to stay on long. We're seriously about to record the rewind after it's like we're not joking. I'll stay on. <laughs> I can't tonight, unfortunately. I got dinner waiting for me out. I, I wish I could, trust me. I really yeah, I'll stay on. I'm just sorry, guys. The link after. No, no worries. If we if my fiance hadn't just made dinner for me, I would have. But I kind of feel like a dick skipping out on that. Well, I mean you are a dick. But... Hey, Justin. Pull your bottom lip over your head and swallow. No, He's gonna, I thought he was going to try it. Sarcasm. I was, I was waiting. Sarcasm. I was like, sarcasm. Is this sarcasm? is this another inside joke? Is Justin about to do some like contortionist shit? I'm not expecting. I was just hoping he didn't get fucking naked, like like we started this in the evening. So. Oh yeah, we got to yeah, take no, our. By the way, back we off. record. We actually we record video. We record video on the rewind. So if we get naked, it's going up. You will be put on. Are we taking our clothes off? Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. We can finish it. All right, this is being recorded. Let's yeah. do it. Let me take our clothes Come off on. right now. RN, RN will feel so odd. And you know what? Uh, uh, Justin feels really weird and uncomfortable right now, too. So, Justin. It's cold in here. Justin, come on, man. <laughs> Don't you fucking play with me. Justin, let's do this. <laughs> fucking play fucking with me. Fucking go. Like, Don't fucking do Don't you fucking uh, tempt me with a fucking good time. What the fuck? <laughs> here we go. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, so, this is going on YouTube. Fucking <laughs> Justin, where you at, bro? It's okay. It's just it's just a couple dudes hanging out. Yeah, There's nothing could... to see. Yes. Just a couple yes. guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Come on, Justin. Justin, we're not. Justin, we're not cutting the feed until you do it. Oh, I can't oh, fucking fuck wait for this to make it. Yes, yes, yes. 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 All yes, right. Yes. Yes. We're doing yes, this. Yes. We're doing it's fucking weird. Fucking weird. RN said he didn't like white people at first, and look at this. Well, my kids are half white, so I had to get in. Fuck. It. There you go. Oh God, <laughs> guys, thank you for coming on tonight. <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna do this. <laughs> do work, guys. Do work. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Perched on the Top Rope. If you'd like to follow us on social media, go to facebook.com slash perched on the top shelf. Nope, that's not it. Go to facebook.com slash perched on the top rope. If you want to follow us on Twitter, go to perch top rope. If you want to follow us on Instagram, perched on the top rope podcast, you can follow me at twitch TV slash perched on the top rope. You can find all of our videos on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify, Apple podcast, Stitcher, anywhere where you find podcasts. And if you can't find us, I'll put us on there. You can follow Justin at in Justin, we trust on YouTube and you can follow Lee and Justin on the perched on the top shelf podcast. And if you fancy TikTok, Lee, you want to take it from here? 
I can't know. believe you guys are trying to have a regular fucking send off. Like, well, <laughs> just wait till I do mine without any clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said this is going right into the rewind. You guys are going to be opening your show. Game. Oh, so, is uh, awesome, it man. is TikTok. Perched on the top rope, if uh, you're into Selena scenes, the greatest moments in professional wrestling history, because you're not going to tell me otherwise that Zack Ryder winning the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania is not one of the greatest moments in professional wrestling history. But if that doesn't tickle your fancy, uh, you can watch the Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan. No, he didn't kill Nancy and her son and Chris Benoit, but he did get humped by a dog, and you can watch it on TikTok. That's right. Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan getting humped by a dog. It's TikTok.com slash person on top rope. As Alex said, you can follow us anywhere and everywhere. Podcasts can be found. But let's pass it over to as he rubs his nipples. Let's pass it over to Kyle and Orange. They can tell you about Smack Draw. All right, I'll go first. Let me say, let me tell you right here. You're not a real fan until you get your fucking team on you. Get that real ink on you. Second of all, hashtag. Mute RN. I'm always here to down to talk some shit. Mr. A984 on Twitter. Ralph Forkino on fucking Instagram. Uh, mean Jelly Bean Productions on YouTube. Mean Jelly Bean Memes on Facebook. Definitely shout us out. Or if you want to see me more naked shit of me and me walking around in a sexy silk robe, go to YouTube and look up Love on the Spectrum. It's our Valentine's Day video. Definitely check it out. I'll put it in the group chat for you guys to fucking love on. And uh, hey, Mr. There we go. <laughs> What's up? Um, hey, listen, uh, everything these guys just said. Uh, I guess the only thing I'll talk about the rewind is uh, if you're struggling with addiction, there's many ways that you can handle uh, getting sober, included uh, just hanging out with your boys, with your shirts off. There's many ways we can all heal. I'm healing tonight. I hope you guys are healing. We can all have a great, great day. Oh, for your information, Lee, I was not rubbing my nipples earlier. I was doing a gold dust impression. Oh, I'm rubbing my nipples, actually. Oh, whoa, wait a second. Yes. First off, I want to thank the gentleman from Perched on the Top Rope for having me on. I would also like to thank SmackDraw and the Rewind for uh, crossing paths with me. I always love the two of you in in every way possible, and I say that with absolutely no clothes on right now. This is fucking weird. <laughs> but, the joke's over, and we're just naked now. It's like sarcasm. it's like sitting in the hot tub, and then the bubbles just came off. Now we're just four dudes <laughs> in a bath together. Okay. Well, <laughs> speaking of you know being in a hot tub naked, I am your host, a chef by trade, to mark by choice. I am the Will Gray. You can find me at Botchbots and Share Shots anywhere you do anything. You do anything on the internet. I'm naked and forgot my own lines. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm off the rails. I took my clothes off on air. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies in and Rome. gentlemen, coming up next, six naked dudes on a podcast. <laughs> Always remember, spoiler freeze, the way to be. We're out. We're out. Okay, this is fucking... That was awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm, I'm going to be the first one to get dressed. All right. Like... Yeah, I'm putting clothes back on. I don't even know why I took my pants off. It's... It got weird. <laughs> I'm saving that for the blooper reel. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today for our customary time with Tony Khan ahead of our pay-per-view events. Uh, This one to discuss Revolution just ahead this Sunday from the Chase Center in San Francisco. So just a few more quick housekeeping notes in the interest of time and giving opportunity, you know, as many opportunities as many people as possible. 
we're going to kindly ask you to refrain from asking two-parted questions, and this includes write-ins, which we always welcome. And we always ask that the focus is on the pay-per-view because that's why we're here. And as Robin mentioned, please make sure your phone is unmuted. We control the muting and unmuting function here. So please keep your line open and unmuted, and we'll get after it. So with that, I'm going to turn it over now to Tony Khan for some opening uh, thoughts and remarks, and then we're going to open the lines for your questions. Tony? Thank you, Jim. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for this Revolution Media Call. I'm very excited about the event. There's some great matches on the card uh, that have been building for a long time and really looking forward to personally, and I hope you are as well. Uh, really excited to talk to you about the event today. I know there's a lot of things happening in the world of wrestling, including in AEW and outside AEW. Uh, very briefly today, one year ago today, uh, on the go-home dynamite, fittingly enough, also on the road to revolution, it was at Daly's Place that I made the announcement that I purchased Ring of Honor. And now, one year later, exactly, a new era of honor is beginning tonight for ROH. And also, we have uh, some exciting matches planned for Rampage on Friday. But uh, for us, the main event coming up on Sunday is Revolution. And I'm very excited to talk to you about it. And Jim, if you want to start with the questions, we could uh, start addressing what people want to talk about. All right, fantastic. <clears throat> okay, so we're going to start with Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics, and then after Brandon, we're going to go to John Alba from Fight. So, Brandon, you're leading us off today. Hi, Tony. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, Brandon. Great to hear from you. So, my understanding of your TV deal with Warner Brothers Discovery is that the network has a one-year option to extend the deal through December 2024. I just wanted, wanted to ask you if, if I'm accurate on those details, and if so, has WBD already picked up the one-year option? It's a, a fair question to ask. I have avoided commenting on the specifics of our TV deal for legal reasons. It's not because I don't like answering people's questions or because I'm not a fun guy. It's because uh, I am responsible for the jobs and livelihoods of a lot of people and their families. And in this case, I am not supposed to answer questions about the contract that we have, or the media rights contract, we have a great partnership with Warner Brothers Discovery, and uh, I just don't want to uh, circumvent or violate uh, those covenants, if that makes sense. I also feel terrible that uh, I'm already no commenting on the lead-off question, Brandon. Do you have any follow-up or anything else you want to ask before I move on? Sure, I have a second one. Um, could, could you sure. explain to us your, your strategy around house shows? Do, do you think house shows can be run profitably? And, and if not, what are the benefits that offset the costs? Thank you very much. I really appreciate the work you do, and I really appreciate you asking a question I can answer. Uh, yes, I have a lot of thoughts on that. When we launched, we had a much smaller roster, and what we've done is the business model from the beginning is that we are a TV wrestling promotion, and the bulk of the revenue and the vast majority of the dates here will be filled by TV wrestling or streaming or pay-per-view specials. And with the rosters expanded, we have more availability, more dates on people. And also, I do believe there's the ability to run house shows profitably. But I do think it's very, very challenging to make money on a house show, as we're seeing. And that's why we're learning the economics of it. We're trying to build that division up slowly to where we can do regular house shows and do more of them. But right now, it's kind of a stick-and-move situation where uh, – 
in the process of developing more house shows to follow up on house rules in Ohio on March 18th in Troy, Ohio. We're all excited about that, and we're benchmarking that. I think by giving ourselves some downside protection in terms of having some built-in revenue on these shows, it's our best opportunity to lock in profitability and guarantee those will be worthwhile events, and there's a, a, a lot of people that want to work on them. Um, there's people I've never asked to work on them that are already asking what's going on with them, so those probably won't be the people I'll be chasing down as much to work them, but I have a big group of people uh, that really do want to work on them, and I think it's the kind of thing I want to utilize um, you know, to the benefit of the roster because there's so, the vast majority of the roster has made it clear that this is something they do want, house shows, and most people are chasing me down that they do want to work on the house show. Uh, so I'm very excited about that, and I think as we come out of revolution, that'll be um, something very exciting for us. That we'll, you know we have house rules coming not long after this huge pay per view. Thanks very much, Brandon, for your questions. Thanks, Brandon. <clears throat> okay, as promised, I'm going to go to John Alva from Fight, and John is going to be followed by a write-in from Mike Johnson of PW Insider. John, your line is open. Thank you, Jim. Tony, always great to chat with you, especially before the pay-per-view here. Uh, last night, you guys had a, a really intense segment to end the show between MJF and Brian Danielson. And I, I'm someone who regularly follows Brandon Thurston's breakdowns of AEW television. And show structure has always been something I've been very fascinated. I would love to know what your philosophy is in putting these shows together, especially in the lead up to a pay-per-view. Uh, this was one of the very few times in the last month or so that Brian Danielson or MJF were actually in the main event segment. So how do you go about setting that structure for your shows, especially leading into a big blow off at the pay-per-view? It's a great question. Uh, and it has been a mixture of trying to feature all of the prominent stories, most or many of which are featured in this pay-per-view revolution on Sunday. And in doing so, trying to slot things in the show in a way that would do a favorable TV rating and taking what has happened in prior weeks, trying to learn from that and do a better job the following week. I know that last week was the best we've done in a very long time on ratings and one of our real high benchmark results, I really believe. I think it was tremendous for us to have not only our best audience, our biggest audience, and our biggest number in the 18 to 49 demographic of all of 2023, but also our, it was our biggest audience since the three-year anniversary show of Dynamite on uh, October uh, 5th, I believe, and also the highest number in the key 18 to 49 ratings demographic that we've had since AEW Grand Slam on September 21st. Those are two of the most important shows on the annual calendar. And last week was a great episode, but it was also, uh, some people thought it wasn't the most stacked up card of main event matches. It wasn't uh, a special super card edition necessarily. It was a, a, a strong card, I thought and strong stories and i thought it showed that a lot of what we've been doing has has been working and there was a lot of interest in a number of the stories including mjf and brian danielson a lot of their stuff has been in uh prominent positions in the show but as you mentioned uh not not always at the end of the show 
And in this case, leading into the pay-per-view, I thought that was appropriate. But also I've tried to put them in positions where they would have the best chance to get the biggest audience while balancing out what would be in the main event segments. Last week was a great example, I think, of a pretty steady ratings pattern throughout the show. Uh, we, we have a great lead-in, and we did very well last week to hold that lead-in, but also it, it led to steady results through the show. So it's a mix of trying to feature all the stories in prominent positions. A lot of times for Brian and Max, it hasn't been the main event segment. It's been uh, in that crossover around the 9 o'clock Eastern hour or at the top of the show when we have a great lead-in flow like we did for Max versus Takeshita opening the show. Um, so it, it was a very exciting, intense promo segment, and I thought it was a great way to end the show. And I've you know, seen examples of our shows and other shows where there's been a great main event promo segment. Uh, it's not what we always do, but there's times where I think it can be very effective, and I thought it was very effective last night with Brian Danielson and those final words directed towards MJF ahead of the 60-minute Ironman match this Sunday on pay-per-view at Revolution. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. I'm going to read you a writing question from Mike Johnson from PW Insider. I'm going to ask Chris Mueller from Bleacher Report to be ready after Tony replies to this question from Mike, inspired by uh, Revolution. His question, Tony, we just hit the three-year anniversary of Revolution 2020 in Chicago, which was the last AW pay-per-view before the pandemic took hold. Looking back on that night, what are the lessons you think you and the company have learned that inform how you promote, book, and present major events now, like Revolution in a couple of days from now? It was one of the most important events we've ever done. I learned a lot from it, and a lot in wrestling has changed, and I'm really glad this question came up. I think I would, I'll note for the record that this is a question I was asked, not things I brought up. That is one of my favorite events. I think it's probably my favorite pay-per-view event we've ever done. The way the card came together is very interesting, and I'd like to go back and note, I don't have it all in front of me, but I do remember these things very well, when some of these things came together, and I think there's some fuzzy memories of some of these things, because uh, there were some things on the card that came together earlier, and my philosophy going into that, and I think it was very well received at the time, and now it's been exactly three years and it's interesting because a lot's changed in the world and I and I, I would just go back and remind people that the way some of these things came together. John Moxley versus Chris Jericho for the World Championship had a long build. Uh, it really had kind of hinted at the end of 2019 we'd go in that direction but it really picked up at January 1st and they had months of build going into that event and uh, of course, there was the idea that John Moxley had been offered the spot in the inner circle. He turned that down and then went to war with Chris Jericho. And at the time, the inner circle, that was a great story and a great uh, main event program. A lot of the other matches uh, came together as we got closer to the event, and I thought that made for very exciting television leading to the event. But I think there's some perception that maybe all the matches were made weeks and weeks in advance, and it's simply not the case. And I thought it led to just as exciting an event as we've ever had and Jericho and Moxley had months of build as the world title match in this case has had months of build as MJF versus uh, MJF versus the American Dragon Brian Danielson for the world championship is something that we had started to develop late last year and has been building up for months as a huge world championship program and I'm every bit as excited for that and 
In addition, we have right now John Moxley versus Hangman Page, which is a story that really goes back even further to Hangman Page winning uh, the Grand Slam Golden Ticket Battle Royale at Arthur Ashe Stadium in September and taking a shot at the World Championship in Cincinnati against John Moxley in his hometown in what became one of the most real-life scary situations we've ever had at AEW. We were all very concerned when Hangman got knocked out and had to go to the hospital that night. And I'll never forget going to, to talk to Hangman that night and just being so relieved and seeing him smiling and that he was okay, uh, you know, given how scared we were when we stretched him out of there. And to think now, here we are, this thing's come full circle. It's one of the most exciting programs in wrestling. I thought that last week to John, I'm sorry to go back to your question, John Alba, I'm not, I'm not answering that question now, but, you know, in the last week, the main event segment, uh, as I think about it, answering your previous question, we had MJF and uh, Brian Danielson this week in an exciting segment. I really liked how we closed the show last week also to address the John Moxley versus Hangman Page program, which is, again, something that's been building for months. I would equate those two programs at the time as the, the key programs that had months of development that the shows had largely been built around. It, it, was, it was a similar situation there where, uh, you know, you had, you, uh, at the time, you had John Moxley versus Chris Jericho and Cody Rhodes versus MJF were programs that had months of build behind them and I think were really red hot going into the pay-per-view. And I felt that way, uh, you know, these past few weeks about MJF versus Brian Danielson in the 60-minute Ironman match for the World Championship and about John Moxley versus Hangman Page for the World Championship. Other great matches on the show did not come together until the last two weeks. And it was actually the week before the pay-per-view in Atlanta where the Young Bucks won the Tag Team Battle Royale to confirm Young Bucks versus Kenny and Hangman. And we only had one week of real TV getting into it, but it was obviously a story that people knew was coming for a long time. With the tag teams going into uh, the full tag team four-way now, this year it's a little bit different because, yes, again, it's coming together uh, close to the event, but similar to Young Bucks and, versus Hangman and Kenny. It's a very, very different kind of wrestling match. I'm not trying to compare it at all. It was two baby-faced teams that had a lot of history with each other. This is completely different because you have arguably four of the most popular wrestlers in AEW with the acclaimed and Orange Cassidy and Danhausen and the guns and Jarrett and Lethal. And... It, it'll be a completely different match. I'm not saying it, it'll be the same thing or, or it's, it's apples and oranges, completely different situation. But the two World Tag Team Championship programs, it, they were both kind of things that, that were developing on TV and had stakes that were still in play up until the final week. Uh, you had Darby Allen made his return in Atlanta the week before the pay-per-view. So that is another match that got announced the week before the pay-per-view, about 10 days out. And people had been really waiting, and that, that was the right time to bring Darby back for the biggest pop following the John Moxley-Jeff Cobb match. I would also like to note that I'm doing all this off the top of my head right now. And uh, the John Moxley versus Jeff Cobb match, uh, after that, there was the attack from Chris Jericho. We turned the lights out. Darby came back for his uh, match against Sammy, which, again, got announced pretty close to the pay-per-view. Then there's one of the most memorable matches on the show, and I think one of the most memorable and commercially successful matches in AEW history, a clip that is still monetized to this day, Orange Cassidy versus Pac in the debut of Orange Cassidy. We actually announced that match a couple days before the pay-per-view when Orange Cassidy came out and taunted Pac after the, ironically, the Iron Man match against Kenny Omega. And, uh, you know, so it was, there were some of the things coming together on the weeks leading into the television that were the perfect timing. There were some of the things 
that had been building for months that people were excited about, and I think that's a winning formula. And I've tried as best I can. You know, I don't have. I always say I don't have a time machine, so I can't go back and change the things that I would change, or I would change things every single day of my life. But I do think there's matches on top that people are really, really excited about on this show, and uh, I'm very excited for it myself. But we've seen some of the matches uh, that have come together a little bit closer to the pay-per-view and some of the things that have been building for months, and I thought that was a, a formula that worked very well then. And I remember at the time people were saying, like, oh, they're just announcing this right before the pay-per-view, but then the pay-per-view happened, and people absolutely loved it, and now people look back and say it's one of their favorite builds. And I do think there's been a lot of shows in the last several weeks, really in the, since the start of 2023, there's been a number of shows, more, more super positive reviews than anything else, where most of the shows we've done this year have been amongst uh, the favorite shows of, of several people. You know, there's there's been a couple shows where people had questions or, or there was a thing or two they didn't like, but for the most part in 2023, most of our events have been really well received on television. So I think it's been very positive. I think um, uh, overall that 2020 Revolution build was one of the most informative and important uh, times in the history of the company. And I take from it. I try to learn from it all the time. And for me, I think that was probably my favorite pay-per-view at the time we've ever done. And of course, it was challenging to go into the pandemic after that. But now it's great to be back on the road every single week. And, and certainly that event in Chicago three years ago today, uh, or three years ago yesterday, I guess, um, would mark one of the most important nights in AW history. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Chris Mueller from uh, Bleacher Report, you are next. I'd like to ask Amy Nemedy from WrestleJoy to be ready after Chris. Chris, go. Hi, Tony. Uh, so with ROH relaunching tonight, one thing I noticed is that the Revolution card does not include any Ring of Honor title matches as of right now. So moving forward, are you planning on drawing a clearer line between Ring of Honor and AEW, or can we still expect to see a fair amount of crossover on both shows? It's a good question, but I don't think there's been any crossover since Final Battle. And to be fair, I think there's people here that were not on my Final Battle media call, but I made it pretty clear going into Final Battle that, that some of the wrestlers who are featured in each company would cross over, but really that as far as Ring of Honor championships and Ring of Honor stories being featured on AEW, the goal was for that to go through final battle, and then I wouldn't really be doing much of that, and then those things would be moving uh, to the Ring of Honor platforms. There was a transitional period where there have been a number of Ring of Honor championship defenses on AEW Dark and Elevation in recent months. There have been virtually none on AEW television since... Claudio versus Jericho, and that program ended because I think the Ocho, there were a lot of great matches in the Ocho with Chris Jericho, and that was an important thing for us to feature in AEW at the time, I felt. And there was, you know, whether it was Jericho versus Ishii, Jericho versus Bandito, there were, and Jericho versus Danielson, there were a number of times where those were important matches to AEW's TV. Uh, but then coming out of Final Battle, I had said that we would not be um, crossing the streams as much anymore. Uh, and as of tonight with the launch of the Ring of Honor TV, I think now there's a, a platform for the ROH championships and stories, and it should be a very exciting night tonight. We've gotten really positive reviews from the live fans who attended the tapings, and I think if, if there's anybody that hasn't heard this, I, I would strongly encourage them to check out the Ring of Honor debut as a new era of Honor begins tonight. 
but yeah, just so you know, that's something I have been trying to do for months, and and I think a lot of people have taken taken notice of it, and it's been mostly received pretty positively, and um, that's why it's been that way for a couple months. Thanks, man. Okay, <clears throat> uh, a, um, Amy, uh, Amy Nebedy from Russell Joy, you are up next, and after that, I'm going to follow Amy with a write-in from Max Everett from Sports Keto. Amy, great. Hi, Tony Khan. It's great to talk to you. Hey. So I wanted to talk about the Women's Triple Threat Championship match at Revolution. We have Jamie Hayter, who's an incredible fighting champion, banger matches, crowd loves her. Soraya, she's a pioneer of women's wrestling, the whole evolution that came from that. And Ruby Soho, who's beloved across her entire career, one of the best entrances in wrestling, her iconic street fight moment. Everybody's coming into this match on a huge high, especially in AEW. I wanted to ask what your thoughts were on each of the competitors, as well as how they represent the locker room in this AEW Originals slash the Outsiders, so to speak, divide. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great question. And I'm looking forward to the three-way match for the Women's World Championship this Sunday on pay-per-view at AEW Revolution. I think, as you said, each of them represents uh, a very different history in pro wrestling and in particular in AEW and each of them has a very different perception among the locker room. I'm probably not the best person to speak of how people are perceived in the locker room but I can speak to what I know to be a fact and what I think. Um, Jamie Hayter has been with us since the first year of AEW and since 2019 she's developed into such an amazing pro wrestler. She's grown and she's become very popular with the crowds, and she has become one of the world's top wrestlers. And it's been amazing to watch that transformation take place on AEW television. Some of that transformation took place away from AEW television, frankly. She came back after the pandemic as a completely different performer and a completely different, with a very different look and being able to do some different things in the ring and in the presentation of Jamie Hader. So I believe Jamie Hader is a, a very important wrestler in AEW and a great champion who is capable of having great matches and has a great connection with our audience. Ruby Soho has been here for a long time. She hasn't been here the whole time, but I think she's been here for, you know, roughly half of, of the length of AEW, which is why it's fitting that I think she's in the middle of this thing because She's worked with Soraya and Soraya's friends in the past, so she does have a closer relationship to them than a lot of our locker room would and knows them well and also has a close relationship to our locker room and knows them a lot better than somebody who just walked in off the street like Soraya. And uh, Ruby Soho is also a great wrestler. As you mentioned in the lead-up question, I think it was a great point. Ruby Soho has a great reputation as a brawler also and had a great moment this year in that great street fight teaming with Willow Nightingale to defeat Ty Mello and Anna Jay, who are also noted street fight enthusiasts. And uh, I thought that was a great match. And uh, Ruby Soho is having a great year. And he's picked up some really big wins in AEW this year and is certainly a, a very worthy top contender. You have Soraya on the other end of this spectrum who has come into AEW as a big-name free agent 
and has gotten a great platform. I personally like Soraya a lot. I think a lot of the lifeblood day one AEW fans did not take kindly to the way Soraya tried to endear herself to the crowd. And to be fair, that's one of the things that happens in AEW when people have the chance to uh, use their own words because I think we had good talks about bullet points and about building up Soraya versus Britt Baker. But I believe some of the things in uh, the lead-up to that match that Soraya said really endeared the fans to Britt more than her. And because these are fans that have been with AEW from day one and probably didn't agree with her perception and her perspective on the company when she arrived. But I also think that helped me uh, find a way to utilize everybody in what can be an exciting program for them and what I hope will be a great match for all three women on this huge pay-per-view card. And it's, it's one of the biggest events in our history. And there's so much great wrestling on this show. And I think this match fits like a glove. I'm very excited for it. It's been building up for a long time also. And uh, I really look forward to this three-way match. I have a lot of respect for all three women. I think they all have different wrestling styles and they all have different histories in the wrestling business and especially here with their times and experiences in AEW. And I think all of that will make for a very interesting match and hopefully a great match this Sunday at Revolution. Thanks for the great question. Thanks, Sammy. Okay, as promised, I'm, I've got a write-in question here from Max Everett from Sports Kita. Uh, John Orchiola from Screen Rant, you will be after Tony addresses the following question from Max, and that is, um, how did booking a 60-minute Ironman match on this weekend's Revolution card impact booking the rest of the card and perhaps even last night's Dynamite? What a great question. It uh, is the longest bell-to-bell -bell match we've ever planned to feature on pay-per-view. Uh, we've never allocated this much time to any one match. I think the uh, there's been a couple times I've allocated uh, a, a good amount of time to a match, but never uh, this what you have to do for a 60-minute Ironman match. So in terms of formatting the pay-per-view, it is a bit different. It's less matches than we've done on some of our pay-per-views, but I think it will be a great event, and uh, there will be a lot of time for the main event, to say the least, but there will also be a lot of great matches on tap for this card that I think people are really looking forward to. I didn't do as many matches on the pay-per-view card as I normally might have, but I also uh, think we have as much exciting stories or TV as ever, and to your great question about how that affected last night's show, we saw that the Face of the Revolution ladder match, which has been featured the past few years at the Revolution pay-per-view card, I thought the best chance to get that involved and utilize that IP and utilize that, that, that match that fans enjoy and give a great wrestler like Powerhouse Hobbs, in this case, an opportunity to get a big win in their hometown, no less, and now have an opportunity to challenge for the TNT Championship on AEW Dynamite. I thought the best way to feature that match and give it time and an opportunity, and I thought it was a great match last night and one of the several great things on last night's show on TBS, that it was uh, made sense to do that on Dynamite because, you know, with, with the duration of the 60-minute Ironman match, we wouldn't be able to do as much bell-to-bell -bell wrestling 
in the other matches as we might normally do on a pay-per-view card. Thank you, Tony. <clears throat> okay, John Okiola from Screen Rant. You are next, and John will be followed by another John, John Pollock from Post Wrestling. John? John, you're muted. John, you need to unmute your line. Robin, can we go to John Pollock in the meantime? John, if you're ready, John Pollock, and we can try John Rokiola after that. Oh, so, sorry. This is John Pearson, but I can ask my question if you want. John, who are you with? Uh, this is, I'm with Triple Threat, not Screen Rant. Go ahead and proceed. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Tony, for uh, taking my question here. Um, it is on uh, Ricky Punks. Uh, Ricky has been placed in some pretty big programs as of late, uh, and it seems like his star power, both in the company and online, is growing. What kind of confidence do you have for him to be one of the figureheads of the company going forward? I think Ricky Starks is a great wrestler. I've uh, had a great feeling about him since he arrived in AEW, and I really enjoy working with him. And he's had some big wins, and he's had some great moments in AEW in the past several months. I thought he ended 2022 on a real high note with a great match against MJF at AEW Winter is Coming for the World Championship. And he's had great showings in uh, several matches, including the very first match in AEW in 2023 in Seattle versus Chris Jericho. And I think Ricky Starks has all the potential in the world, but he's also right now one of the best wrestlers, and that's what uh, makes him such uh, an exciting person to invest television time in when you have somebody that is already great and is already um, – a featured prominent part of AEW, but also somebody that we believe can get even better and do even more here in AEW. And I think he's got a great opportunity. And the person he's facing is the person who's probably done the most of anyone here, which is Chris Jericho, who has over 30 years of experience in pro wrestling at a high level and has won championships all over the world, is arguably the most decorated champion in wrestling today in terms of all the championships he's won, which was one of the reasons I thought it would be very cool to do the Ocho and to really highlight all of Chris's accomplishments and championships. And it was one of the few ways I could think to add another uh, world championship that has that kind of great history to Chris's legendary, unprecedented resume. And I think Chris Jericho had taken a lot of interest in Ricky Starks also. Uh, and frankly, this match will be very interesting. I think it's a, another program that has had a lot of anticipation and months of build towards it, and hopefully people will really enjoy that match. This Sunday at Revolution, Jericho versus Ricky Starks, it's a, it's a great opportunity. Frankly, it's a great opportunity for anybody, anytime they get uh, out there and wrestle on a pay-per-view 
event like AEW Revolution, but I do think in particular for a great young wrestler like Ricky Starks, where the sky's the limit, uh, it's a great opportunity for him this Sunday at, at Revolution. Thank you, John. Um, John Okiolo, we're going to try you again. Are you there? Yeah. Hi, can you hear me? We can. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. Sorry about that. Hi, Tony. Good to talk to you again. Hey, good to talk to you. Yeah. Um, so more and more, AEW has crossed over into mainstream entertainment. And, you know, as a fan, it's really awesome to see. Like, I know Britt Baker is a, he's a big fan of Cobra Kai. She went to the season five premiere. I know Anthony Bowens is a huge fan of The Last of Us. Um, are AEW wrestlers free to take side projects, acting in movies and TV shows? And are there any in the works? We work with the wrestlers in AEW uh, anytime they have a big opportunity. If people come to us and say this is going to be good for us, and, and even if it, it doesn't even have to be great for the company, as long as it's not going to hurt the company, if it's going to be good for them, I want people to have these opportunities and take advantage of them. And I want a happy roster, and as long as it's not going to hurt AEW, I want to try and facilitate that. So when people have opportunities in film, television, or other media, if it's not going to affect the storylines of the TV in a major detrimental way, then, of course, we always want to try and accommodate some things when possible. And we've had people come into AEW, and that was one of the reasons they really wanted to come here is there are other opportunities in wrestling they weren't given – uh, that kind of freedom for outside projects when they're not working on TV for us. So I think that's a great question, and I think that's one of the things where we've set ourselves apart as being a very accommodating place to come and wrestle. Thank you. Um, Tony, I've got a write-in here uh, from Joey Hayden from the Dallas Morning News I'm going to read to you, and then after, after I do that, Trevor Robb from the Edmonton Journal will follow. Joey Hayden from the Dallas Morning News asks, was there any thought to work Adam Cole back into the mix ahead of the Revolution pay-per-view, or did his recovery more accurately align to be his comeback match to the debut of All Access? Jim, can you ask that one more time? Sorry, my phone cut out mid-question for a second. Can you please, I want to make sure I didn't miss sure. any thoughts. Thanks. Joey wants to know, was there any thought to working in Adam Cole into the mix ahead of the Revolution pay-per-view, or did his recovery sort of, was it a better fit for his comeback match uh, to the debut of, of the All Access program? There are a number of factors that played into that decision, but I think it's going to be very exciting here this month to have Adam Cole, one of our biggest stars, back in the ring. We're going to feature that story very prominently in AEW All Access, which is coming up this month, following AEW Dynamite on TBS. Immediately after the show, it will be a, a weekly 60-minute series. And the night the show premieres will also be the night Adam Cole returns to the ring, and then you'll be able to watch uh, the start of that journey back to wrestling for him. And each week after Dynamite will be following some wrestlers from AEW, some of the key people backstage. And Adam Cole is one of those people, and will follow the road to his comeback, including his, his life at home, at home with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and also with his family and so many of the challenges that went into this comeback that we're all looking forward to. Um, certainly also 
would be something great for the pay-per-view, I think, uh, which is what we're all completely focused on. But I think in terms of giving him the most amount of time to recover, the most amount of attention to the match, and also uh, as a cross-promotional opportunity with a new series that we're very excited about with AEW All Access for a number of reasons, everybody, including uh, our partners at Warner Brothers Discovery, TBS, and TNT, I think everyone agreed that uh, for Dynamite on TBS and for All Access on TBS and the symmetry of the story uh, and the nature of the comeback that these things would all do very well, hopefully packaged together on TBS. Okay, thanks, Tony. Thanks for that question, Joey. Trevor Robb from the Edmonton Journal, you are next. Samantha Shipman from the Daily DDT, I'd like for you to be ready after Trevor and Tony chat. Trevor? Hey, Tony, thanks so much for taking the, taking the time and asking or answering my question. Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to talk about the uh, the style and the presentation of AEW because it has gone uh, had a bit of a makeover here of late. You had a new uh, entrance uh, starting at the year. You have new uh, videotrons and uh, and graphics. We saw now with Ring of Honor restarting that there's a new presentation that's now uh, filtering over to Dark as well. I'm not sure if we're going to see a custom uh, set for Revolution here on Sunday, but I'm just wondering, I guess, how you balance that desire to want to revitalize and maybe freshen up the look of AEW while also maintaining that core AEW vibe? Well, it, at the start of 2023, we wanted to update our look on TV and streaming. And so our arena set and some of the graphics packages were updated with a new look. And I think it's been very well received. And I think it was a, a good change for us. And I really like the new look. Uh, in addition, our set at Universal Studios and our digital look where we've got uh, AEW Dark filming and also where Ring of Honor's weekly series is now filmed, that uh, was an important project for us, and I think that was very successful. The, the crew did a great job updating that look and adding seating capacity, but also uh, improving the look with new video signage and uh, updated just an updated look of, of that presentation that I think has been very very good so uh, it's it's something that we don't want to make those kind of changes um, constantly and 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 do want to settle on a look and want to um, keep the look of aew consistent but also um, find ways to freshen up the presentation when we can so I think this year um, those changes have mostly been well received, so that's uh, that's a good sign that we'll stick with them. Thanks, and uh, I think, in in general, though, it's a, it's a great question, and uh, it's the kind of thing we can uh, um, plan to plan to follow. And I don't I don't think there's a set time for the next time we would make changes, but I think you know this was a, a great refresh, and and now we have a a great look for 2023. Thank you. Thanks, Trevor. Samantha Shipman from the Daily DDT is next, and Samantha will be followed by Stu Myrick from 104.9 in Austin, Texas. Samantha? Hi, Tony. Hi. 
Uh, good to talk to you again. Um, I have a question kind of going back to all access. When that was announced, it reminded me of last summer, there was a trademark for all elite women, um, but then we never really heard anything else about that. Was that supposed to have been a TV show or can you tell us a little bit about maybe what the plan for that was going to be and what happened to that? Is that something you still are going to pursue? Yeah, I would love to have that show be a show that gets picked up. I think it is an idea I had for a show, and it's something I would love to do, is uh, all elite women. And that's why I filed the trademark, because I think it's a good idea. And we have a great women's roster, and I, I love to utilize them as much as possible. And uh, anytime we can develop more programming to feature our roster, I think it's something that a great opportunity for the company and for the wrestlers and in the case of the women's locker room i think there's a number of really deserving talent in there and there's people we feature on tv regularly and there's there's even more people i'd like to feature more so uh that was the idea behind all elite women that's still an idea i think would be a great thing if it ever gets picked up thanks for asking thanks samantha Stu myrick from 104.9 in Austin is next, and I will follow Stu with a write-in question from Ella J from a wrestling gal. Stu? Great. Tony, uh, thanks for the time. It was great to see you during Super Bowl week in Phoenix. Uh, someone that looks like won't be involved in Revolution, Eddie Kingston, who uh, on AEW social media seemingly quit. Uh, have you talked to Eddie since last night? Uh, can you address this in any form or fashion? Yeah, I have talked to Eddie since last night, and I would encourage people to stay tuned to pro wrestling. Stay tuned to AEW and uh, other forms of pro wrestling. Of course, there's a lot of exciting things happening in the sport, uh, in AEW, and also in our uh, metaverse of pro wrestling, uh, including New Japan, and of course tonight the launch of the new Ring of Honor. So a lot of exciting things happening, and uh, I have had a chance to talk to Eddie about that, and I'd say stay tuned uh, to the wrestling business, and then you'll see what happens next. <laughs> Thanks, Stu. Okay, Stu, we appreciate that. <clears throat> okay, here's um, the question from Ella J from uh, a wrestling gal, and, and Ella will be followed by Bill Pritchard from WrestleZone. Ella has this question for you, Tony. AEW Revolution will hold the first 60-minute Iron Match in company history. Why do you feel that now is the time to have this type of match? Well, I think it's a, the right time and it's the right match. MJF versus the American Dragon Brian Danielson in a 60-minute Iron Man match for the AEW World Championship this Sunday at Revolution because... It is the ultimate test of a pro wrestler's stamina, their strength, conditioning, and their creativity. And I think these are two wrestlers that have all of the physical and all of the mental tools to put together an incredible 60-minute Ironman match. And I think it's something that for the fans of pro wrestling, this is a great, this is a great pay-per-view main event in my mind because you know you're going to get this value. AEW is going to deliver the match. You know it's good. we're gonna we're gonna put the time into it, 
And you know that, uh, frankly, if this match, uh, for months and months, I think people would love to see any kind of Brian Danielson versus MJF match. The story's been building, and I think a one-on-one, one-fall match would be very exciting, and I think people would really look forward to it, and it would be a great pay-per-view event. I think it adds that much more to this as a hook, knowing that it's going to be a 60-minute Ironman match. We've never had a 60-minute Ironman match before, and you know the first 30-minute Ironman match I referenced earlier on the call was on the road to Revolution, actually on the go-home television in Kansas City three years ago this week. And uh, that was an amazing match. And to think that we're going to go twice as long in this match is crazy to think. And I thought that was a great value for the fans uh, to get that match on TV. You don't normally get things like that on TV. At least you didn't when we launched. And now there's so much great wrestling uh, largely uh, on AEW TV every week. And I believe uh, the nature of the match, the duration, the rules, the structure and the format, it all lends itself to a classic. And I believe MJF and Brian Danielson are capable of having that classic match. And over the months since Brian Danielson won the championship, under, excuse me, since MJF won the championship under questionable circumstances at full gear, uh, utilizing Brian Danielson's mentor, uh, Lord William Regal, in his pursuits, and then cast Lord Regal aside, I think the story has continued to build, and now it's become such a personal and intense rivalry between the two men that I personally cannot wait to see them share the ring. And the thought of them sharing the ring for 60 minutes this Sunday gets me very excited as a wrestling fan. So that was the idea behind it. And hopefully it's getting people excited as we get towards the pay-per-view. It seems like a lot of people are looking forward to it. Thanks for the great question. Yeah, indeed. Thanks, Ella. We've got about 10 minutes to go. So let's do a little lightning round here. We're going to try to get three or four more in. Uh, Bill Pritchard from WrestleZone, you are next, and we're going to follow Bill with Will. Will Washington from Grapsy. Go, Bill. Bill, we can't hear you if you're asking a question. Can you hear me? Yes, now we can. Hello? Bill, can you hear us? Why don't we uh, go to Will and then we'll, we'll revisit Bill. Will Washington, are you ready? Yes, I am. Tony, can you hear me? Hey, Will. I can. Hey, hey thanks for taking my question. Uh, so, talking about the card, there's currently eight matches booked in official capacity on the card, um, which is, uh, at the moment, one of the smaller cards that you've ever put on on pay-per-view. Obviously, the 60-minute Ironman match plays a big factor in that. 
Uh, do you foresee with Rampage coming up any other matches being added? We uh, noticed that, of course, the TBS title isn't being defended this time around. You had a program being built between Swear Strickland and Keith Lee that doesn't have a match on here yet. Do you anticipate ant adding any more matches to the card as the uh, as we get closer, or do you think it's pretty set with the eight? I think it's fairly set. I think there's some circumstances around Jungle Boy and Christian and clarifying uh, what uh, is to come between the two men in this fight that they want to have. Uh, but, uh, you know, Christian had been out injured for until a couple weeks ago and, and made his return to TV. And uh, there were so many hot things happening leading into Revolution, and that added some fuel to the fire, we thought. Uh, it was a great promo last night by Christian, I thought, and got people excited for that. So that's a... Uh, a situation in flux, as I mentioned, uh, in the original revolution in 2020, a lot of matches that had months of anticipation and build and then some exciting things that came together in the final few weeks that made uh, the, the go-home TVs that much more exciting. And uh, I think with the 60-minute Ironman match on the card, it would be challenging to get more matches on the main pay-per-view card. But I do think uh, there is potential... Uh, you know, we, we, we still haven't announced uh, anything for the pre-show. There's, there's, there's still potential there, but I do think, um, in general, the eight matches on the pay-per-view card, given the 60-minute Ironman match, makes sense uh, in the formatting. So that's probably what we'll end up with, uh, is my instinct. Thanks for asking, Will. It's a great question. And um, I know that, I, you know, I think people should still tune into Rampage because there will be... Um, there will be impact on the event this weekend from tomorrow's show. But as far as uh, beefing it up and adding a completely new match to the card or adding anything in, I think uh, that would be a challenge uh, to the timing. And, and I want to make sure all the matches have a good amount of time to have great matches. And, um, you know, it seems to be overall by the fans uh, pretty well received um, because I think uh, – Everybody wants to make sure that all those matches have, uh, you know, good good time and that we still have plenty of time allocated for the 60-minute Ironman match for the World Championship. Thanks for asking, Will. Thanks, Will. <clears throat> We're going to try Bill Pritchard again. Uh, so, Bill, be ready here. And then I'm going to follow Bill with a write-in from Corey Smith of City Wrestling Radio. Bill, you there? Can you guys hear me now? Yeah, we can. Hey. Oh, okay, perfect. Good afternoon, Tony. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good now that I got on and worked out my tech issues. <laughs> good. good. Uh, What's your so uh, a few weeks ago, uh, you were on the Baby Huey show talking about how, and this kind of goes along with Will's question, about how you weren't going to try to stuff too much into the Revolution card because of the Iron Man match. but. Um, how do you feel about the perception that uh, your pay-per-view cards are running too long? And I want, before you answer, uh, note that most of the original cards for a, a few years had single-digit match counts on them. It really wasn't until the past few months that it started to go over double digits. So, and this is sitting at eight right now. So how do you kind of feel about that perception that the, the cards are running too long or you're, you're trying to put too many matches on one show? 
Well, the cards have been, other than Double or Nothing 2022, because that was a unique situation with the NBA having a Game 7 on the night of our pay-per-view that we, you know, we didn't know that series was going to go seven games, and it's very unlikely in general that series do go seven games. Um, so uh, I planned a little bit differently and put a lot of the meat of the card right after the game, and that did seem to serve us well because that was the most in-show late buys we've ever done for a pay-per-view. And so I do think that was an effective business strategy. And on the West Coast, certainly it didn't hurt the energy of the show at all because the energy for the last three matches was probably the best energy in the entire show uh, for Anarchy in the Arena, the World Tag Team Championship match, and the World Championship match. And I think the duration has been the same for all of them. I believe we've done about 16 shows, and they've all been the same length except for one. Now, in terms of the number of matches that we've played with a little bit, uh, but we've always had long matches and a lot of stuff on the pay-per-views. I think um, this is a good number in terms of letting the matches breathe, but this also is a little unique with eight matches in that it ensures that uh, it ensures that we'll have the appropriate amount of time for what will be a historic main event, something that's really unprecedented here in AEW. We've never tried. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. It seems like it's been very well received by the fans. And I understand I would love to get, um, you know, as many wrestlers as possible on the pay-per-view card. But obviously there has to be a balance. And it seems like it's for this Sunday, it's been very well received by the fans. Okay, Tony, thank you. And this is going to take us right up to the hour. So we're going to, we're going to finish, I believe, here with Corey Smith from City Wrestling Radio. Um, and it's an appropriate question, Tony, um, uh, for the occasion. What were the what was some of the deciding factors to bring AEW Revolution to San Francisco and the Chase Center? Uh, Lord, what a great question. Um, well, we the Chase Center is one of the best events in. Uh, excuse me, the Chase. Excuse me, Revolution is one of our biggest events, and the Chase Center is one of the best arenas in the country. And the Bay Area is one of the top markets. It made a lot of sense. When there was availability at the Chase Center on the weekend, and to be able to bring AEW Dynamite last night and AEW Rampage tomorrow night to the historic Cal Palace, we were just very excited about this opportunity. It's a really important market for us. It's been a great TV market for AEW, and there's so many fans in the Bay Area, and that's why we wanted to bring this big event, this big week here to San Francisco and the surrounding areas. And uh, the Chase Center, um, you know, it's it's a it's a newer arena. It, it was best-in-class basketball arena, and it's uh, a great venue for us for a pay-per-view. So we've been looking forward to coming and making our debut in the Bay Area for a long time. And this felt like uh, the right timing and the right event to bring. All right, Tony. <clears throat> Tony, we have about twenty or thirty seconds. Do you have any any closing thoughts for everybody here? Well, thanks for asking, Jim. Uh, I am very excited for this pay per view event. I really appreciate all of you joining us today and giving me the chance to answer your questions. I'm sorry to anybody who didn't get to ask anything. If you're going to be at the pay-per-view event or if you can send a write-in, I'll try to answer as many questions as I can or all of your questions if possible after the Revolution card in the scrum. Uh, 
I really cannot say enough how much I appreciate you and all of what you do um, on an individual basis. I enjoy interacting with you. Uh, try to do media between pay-per-view events, and then I'll, obviously it, it's a crazy uh, uh, run-up, and, and we're all huddled up together like this talking about the event. But um, I look forward to working with each of you, hopefully in the future, and I, I just can't thank you enough for covering this. Hopefully see a lot of you in person on Sunday at Revolution. Uh, I'm just so excited for the event, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk to you about AEW Revolution today. Uh, Jim, thanks for moderating it, and uh, I think that's probably about all I had to add. Unless, Jim, you wanted to add anything else. No, really, that's it, Tony. I appreciate your time. We all do. And to everybody that joined us, um, you know, thanks again. We're, we're at the end of our time, but we will be distributing an audio recording to all attendees shortly, as we always do. So be looking for that. And then we're going to be looking for you, uh, either tomorrow at the Kyle Palace for Rampage or Sunday at the Chase Center for Revolution. So you're unable to join us in person this weekend, we trust you'll tune in. And really to everybody, our sincere thanks for your interest in AEW and, and really all you do for, you know, to promote and celebrate professional wrestling. Uh, we appreciate it. Jim, 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 I thought of one thing. Can I add one note I just forgot to mention? You may. We're, we, we paid for extra time on this. We're good. Go. Let's go. Uh, well, there you go. So we're in overtime now, and I just wanted to mention to you that I thought that we had some excellent promos on last night's show, and I, I briefly mentioned when it came up about the main event segment, we had uh, Brian Danielson out there, and he said some very powerful things uh, to MJF, and they've said a lot of powerful things in their promos leading up to that great match. I thought there were some great promos on last night's show, and I felt like I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Hangman Page, I thought, did a great promo, and in particular, I thought John Moxley did one of my personal favorite wrestling promos I've seen. I thought it was certainly one of the best promos I've seen this year and in recent years, and uh, he shot it after the match for the Countdown show, and I didn't mention this uh, on the call, but the Countdown to Revolution will be tomorrow night immediately after AEW Rampage on TNT at 11 p.m., uh, there'll be a lot of great videos and interviews in there. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the countdown. But also, I just feel like uh, Moxley and Hangman have done so much so much to each other and said so much to each other in the build of this Texas death match. And I just wanted to note again, if you haven't seen that promo, please uh, check it out. If you're a wrestling fan, I thought, to me, it was one of the best interviews or promos I've seen to see John Moxley bleeding on the staircase and saying the things he said, I thought it was very powerful, and that's why I wanted to feature it in a prominent position last night. I had a revolution, and, uh, you know, I just have to give uh, so much credit to them, and I, I wanted to just note that because I realized I hadn't brought it up at all in this call. Thanks, Jim. Okay, thanks, Tony. I appreciate it. And, um, and again, you know, just everybody on the line, we, we really do appreciate your interest, and, and, you know, really above all, the wrestling fans, uh, fans of AW, fans of wrestling, appreciate all you do. So hope to see you guys this weekend, and uh, best wishes in the meantime. Cheers. Thanks, everyone.